Hello and welcome to the One Wrestling Podcast, the one and only wrestling podcast on the internet, as if we were Mr. Ricochet, well, the one and only, but without the little bullet sound at the end, uh, but because who else is going to do this stupid shit, go on the mic, talk <laughs> about wrestling, it's kind of kind of cringe to be honest, but uh, uh, okay, I'm done, but <laughs> it's been a long fucking time, y'all, uh, hope you missed us, if not, that's cool too, because we're back regardless of whether you missed us or not. Uh, this is episode 69, and nice. what a great number to come back on. I'm your host, TJ, a.k.a. Aspier, and with me is my co-host, Caitlin. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's our return episode from uh, quite a long hiatus. This is the first episode since, like, like couple, May. Yeah, it's like May. Pretty much around, like, King of DDT. I think we're in the middle, not King of DDT, King of Gate. We were pretty much <laughs> in the round of that, where we decided to Wrap call it quits it for a little bit. And uh, what better way to return than with the year-end awards for 2021? Uh, Caitlin and I will go through each category, give our picks. We'll have both best and worst of categories, just like last year, but uh, mostly positive. We'll try to praise what has been good and bury what we feel like burying. Uh, Which is probably going to be eh, a uh, decent amount. I don't know. We'll see. Like, there's, there's definitely been good stuff in 2021, but it obviously hasn't been a good year for wrestling yeah. for a number of reasons. Been okay. Yeah. <clears throat> 2020, I think, was still a little bit better. In some regard, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of prefer 2020. Maybe it's just because by then I was still fine with the clap crowds, but I'll be honest, it's kind of getting to me a little bit. See, I don't really care that much about it, to be honest. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's like, obviously, I still enjoy matches because I'm going to talk about matches I fucking love this year when we get to the rest uh, match of the year stuff, but it's just, it definitely got to me there at the end, especially once certain areas of the world started to have crowds back, so it was definitely a stark contrast going which from... Which they shouldn't. Which shouldn't, yeah, obviously, but... It's stark contrast going from a wild AEW crowd to a quiet Shinkiba first ring crowd that can only clap in a small little area. But uh, there's still good stuff this year. But uh, before we even start about the year-end awards, uh, chances are we might have some first-time listeners. So I think we'll just uh, introduce ourselves a little bit, talk a little bit about what this podcast was, what it might still is, I guess. Maybe it might be something different, but uh, <laughs> I guess I'll go first. Uh, as I said at the top, my name's TJ. I go by Aspire on the internet. Um, I, if you might have seen me around a couple years ago, I was the man behind the uh, Russell One English Update account back when Russell One was still alive. Rip Russell One. Feels like 50 years ago, but it was only like, what, like two or three it's years ago? It was only maybe like two, it, three. Something like that. It was before the pandemic, I think, when it shut down, so probably about three? No, maybe, it was, no, it was, no, it's it was, right at the start. Oh, yeah, it was like 2020. Like, so, yeah, probably about two years. About two years. Be two years. Oh, Christ. Like, <laughs> about maybe March? I can't believe it's wow. only been that long ago. Like, it feels like it. It's been oh, forever since God. Wrestle 1 was a thing, but nope, it's... That's how long been... these past two years with the pandemic have been. It's literally felt like 10 years packed into only two. But yeah, like I said, I was the person behind that. I think it started at like 2018 and mm-hmm. kept it going until uh, Wrestle 1 fell apart and died. And uh, this podcast originally started off as a Wrestle 1 podcast at the end of 2019. Had a few episodes, and then right before... Uh, wrestling when it was announced it was gonna die i decided hey i'm gonna open it up and just talk about more wrestling that i want to talk about <laughs> as soon as i do that episode they announced wrestling one's dead and... they knew traitor but yeah and around that time obviously once wrestling one died and i was doing this as a so... catch-all podcast i decided to bring in caitlin as a one-time guest see if she enjoyed it and she liked it and so she's been here and we uh kept doing the podcast up until uh, like we said earlier may. may of may of 2021 may, yeah. so it's been a few months since we've done a podcast, but you have anything to say about yourself? Um, like you said, my name is Caitlin. Um, I'm trying to think of any other interesting tidbits I could give you. Uh, everyone calls me, obviously, Caitlin or Kate. Um, on Twitter, 
actually, <laughs> I did change my handle, so any of the old listeners who actually went and followed me, which I don't know why you would, because all it is is a bunch of shit posting, but <laughs> um, I did change it to Ticking Time Bomb with a zero, not an O, because someone else on Twitter had that, obviously. I was way too late on that. Um, I'm trying to think other things, really. Well, I guess it's a good say we're married, if I don't think I mentioned oh, that yeah. yet. So, yeah, See, we're, I think that's a little important, too. <laughs> but probably one of the only, well, I'd say not, there's probably a few other married there couples doing podcasts. Some. There might be some, and they may just don't, yeah, I mean, maybe they don't talk about it, or, yeah. But I am happy <laughs> to have her on the podcast with me. Well, one, I just it's kind of more interesting doing a duo podcast rather than just doing solo i could never do a solo i don't think it was that bad like well, i'm just not someone that really wants to express my own opinions because then at the end of it i'm gonna be like oh god like who the who the hell actually cares and it's like i like having uh, other people's perspectives on this too mm-hmm. like i'm that too. Like, <clears throat> if you know me i'm more like i obviously i'm talking a lot on the podcast but i'm more of a listener i like hearing other people's perspectives on things and um, I, I pity kind of shit if you listen to oh, the previous up. podcast, but no. Uh, he says that as we share a lot of the same opinions. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, fuck? for the most part, we do share this podcast, but we do. Or, uh, there's some things we some, don't. There's some things we differ, and I think, like, having her perspective, because I'm just a fucking white dude. It's nice having my wife, who is. Uh, I'm mixed, but I am black. I'm, I'm my, my mom is black. My dad's white, so. And just she's a woman, <laughs> so it's nice to have a different perspectives, because. I joked at the beginning about there being a bunch of no no other podcasts on the internet, but there's a bunch of white dudes with podcasts, so it's nice to have a women's perspective on yeah. uh, wrestling, I think. Yeah, I agree. But it reminds uh, me of other people that do it now, so it makes me happy, you know. Now, speaking of that, like we said, we stopped the podcast in May, kind of just got burnt out on everything, yeah. and just doing everything this every week. All the prep, all the, the just like I said, all the taking notes of wrestling, and then if I didn't enjoy something, I felt like shit. When I was just like, oh, you know, it's just okay, eh, whatever. And I feeling obligated to watch wrestling, even <laughs> yeah, if you didn't feel like it. Exactly. And it just got it just grinds into you a little bit after doing it for over a year, pretty much. At least me doing it for over a year. That was that was over a year for you too, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it is, yeah, it's about that. Because we had started in May, uh, not May, started around like basically when the pandemic started, around like because we had more time. March twenty twenty. And then oh. kept going until May 2021, but yeah, it just got too too much for us and need to take a break. But uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about wrestling again. It's been Me too, too long, and I'm actually excited to really jump back into wrestling because I think we both kind of like just were kind of like you said we were burnt out. We it still watch. Like we, we yeah we watch stuff. Obviously, we still watch stuff. We yeah. have stuff that's in our match of the year <laughs> list and stuff that's later in the year, but. It just felt like an obligation more than an enjoyment. Yeah, it so. was. Yeah, it was definitely more like a. I don't want to say business kind, kind of yeah, thing, like but a, yeah, instead of like actually a job more pleasure. than like a hobby. Yeah, exactly. It was more like a job instead of being like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna watch this for fun and yeah. And we don't get paid for this. If you paid me for it, I'll do it like I'll a say, job. Yeah, but if you won't pay, but then. it's not. It ain't we. Ain't, we're doing this for free because it's fun. So we're gonna just watch the wrestling we enjoy. So not feel obligated to watch stuff. But this long change is just to say. The reason we're back, like I said, we want to talk about wrestling, but also, for at least for me personally, I want to shout out the uh, Count Out 2.99 podcast that just started with uh, with Alicia and I forgot the Rachel. Other, Rachel, I listen to their kick out, you yeah, fool, or kick out. I don't kick out 2.99. But I was listening to their podcast Jeez. and it reminded me of like when we first started giving it because they're yes. they're brand new doing podcasts and it kind of just gave me the itch again to do yeah. it. I think that was where mine came from too because it's like I've talked to um, Rachel and Alicia. A while ago, and they they were always very cool and very knowledgeable about not just Noah, but 
um, just any kind of real puro in general that they watch. So uh, just hearing them on their podcast really got me excited again. Yeah, so I definitely recommend checking them out. They're a great podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, if you listen to their second episode... I'd probably do before the Budokan if so you, you haven't, if, yeah, show, if you yeah. haven't if you haven't watched by now because I'm a little late I haven't watched it but that's because I've been at home with my parents and I didn't really uh, want to go into the room and lock myself in there for like four hours so he watched a little bit but yeah I'd highly recommend well both of the episodes but the second one is extremely informative for any new uh, Noah fan because there were quite a bit of. Uh, New fans that I saw, even on my timeline, that were watching Noah for the first time because of the Budokan show. And other reason is because pretty much the past two years, at least for sure, I've been on uh, John Carroll's uh, Wrestling Omakase, their, their year-end awards, and couldn't do it this year, so I was like, fuck it, I want to fucking talk about my picks, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get on my own podcast and do it, I guess. But uh, I think that's about it for the introduction, so let's actually get into the awards. Got a bunch of different categories, worst, best... Worst promotion, best promotion, worst wrestler, best wrestler, match of the year, most outstanding, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, I think we'll kick off with the rookie of the year. It's a pretty loose category. Like, it doesn't have to be anyone strictly who debuted this year, especially because only one of my picks actually debuted this year. <laughs> but uh, just uh, pretty much just who do you think is the best newcomer who performed the best this year in wrestling? Uh, we'll start from the bottom, work our way okay. to the top. This will be in no specific order, really, for me, but yeah. Uh, my number three pick is Lady C from Stardom, and uh, no real reason, rhyme or reason to this pick, just because mm-hmm. I couldn't really think of anybody. Like, we'll get, It's really hard. We'll talk about it when we get to my number one pick, but I really just had like one pick, and I kind of figured out the rest from there. Pretty much. But yeah, either pretty <laughs> much for Lady C, I just uh, think she's cool. I barely watch Stardom, especially this year, but uh, when I do, she has good matches. Her Twitter is very good. She has a really cute dog, so that's always a plus for me, any wrestler with a cute dog. Her... Uh, Sugiura from Noah, Suzu- Kodoro Suzuki, his, his chihuahuas are fucking adorable. Well, but, I love his chihuahuas. Oh, but, God. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and I also like her story that she like, quit teaching to be a wrestler. and like So she started wrestling much older than you usually do in Japan, especially Joshi. So I do appreciate that. And I'm just, I'm just rooting for her. I think she's good. And that's it. Uh, what's your third pick? I actually had to look this up because I couldn't remember if he actually wrestled this year, if it was 2020. That's how long this year, or the last year's been. Um, but I actually went Bad Bunny, if you consider oh, him yeah, a I rookie. Think, I didn't think about him, yeah. yeah. I, I, I literally was in, when we were riding back up, I was like, wait a fucking minute. Bad Bunny wrestled this year, and he fucking was amazing. For he was, his he's t- incredible, man. Yeah, if I'm pretty sure like most people have seen his performance with Damian Priest um, against... Who was it, Miz and John Morrison? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and he was actually really damn good. Yeah, the match fucking rocked, honestly. And it really helps that he's a celebrity that actually, you know, was a big fan of wrestling. Because, you know, a lot of the time on WWE, they just grab whoever the hell they can. And sometimes they'll do stuff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But this was honestly a pretty damn good match. Like, Miz and John did a really good job selling for him. And I think Damien did a good job as well in the spots that he was in. Um... Yeah, it's just, I'd, I honestly would like to see him back in some capacity. He probably will be, but I obviously don't know when, because I don't typically keep up with WWE, but, you know, it was a Mania show, and I was like, oh, let's just, let's see how it is. Oh, his entrance was cool. Isn't that when he came out on, like, the truck? Oh, yeah, I think that was that. That was pretty bad. That was that was badass, I think. But, yeah, he would be my pick, I guess. 
as we're like barely into the podcast and already want to go on a tangent, but I cannot believe that Damien, or I should say Punishment Martinez is fucking work, like getting oh. such a push in WWE. Like, the he man's saw, like almost 40 and it's crazy to me that like he's being pushed so hard. And I'm like, I think like, he obviously he's got a good size. He looks awesome. Like he looks great. But I just watching him in ROH, I did not expect this guy to be like a push commodity in WWE in a few years. I know. And it's like, even on NXT, I don't think he was, he didn't get a mega push, but he was definitely like. He was treated well. Yeah, he had he like a big entrance well. and everything. Yeah, like, I just never expected punishment martinez of all fucking people to get the push here because <laughs> like you said we anytime we watched our and he was on we were like oh no oh, no here we go there was one match he had it wasn't like it was against uh it was supposed to be against some luchador but the guy didn't actually show up so it, he had, i forgot who he faced in that but, uh, i don't want to ask me but it got replaced by another luchador and it's like one of the worst <laughs> matches that year i saw it was fucking <laughs> awful it wasn't his fault or anything it's just but i don't know why i'm bringing that up but anyway i just wanted to talk about that because i just, just can't believe that's a thing, even though they're trying to ruin it with this fucking double personality bullshit they got him doing on the main roster now. Oh, yeah. We randomly caught a Raw because we were at home, and there was nothing else on. Their parents put it on, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this. And so, it was actually fucking awful. I don't know how people could sit through hours of that, but anyways. At least I can actually say why I voted for Raw as worst show of the exactly. year on um, uh, Omakase, since I didn't get to be on it. It's because I actually got to watch it this year. Unfortunately, I think that was legit. Maybe the one time we watched it, we might have watched SmackDown one or twice. Other than that, but I'm pretty sure that is the first time we watched Raw. But anyway, back to the Rookie of the Year talk. Uh, uh, My next, my number two pick is uh, Ryuki Honda. He's not a rookie, but I'm picking him him anyway. (laughs) Like I said, he's not really a rookie. He's been debuted since 2018 when he joined Wrestle One, but uh, he's new to All Japan. He's pretty much Dojo Boy there, coming into the into Mm -hmm. there, learning from them. So I'm gonna count it. He's just uh, doing some pretty awesome work there. I think he fits there perfectly, mm. and I'm really excited for his future there, even with the current status of All Japan right now. Mm. But uh, he's also a little bit on my shit list right now because he's the guy that knocked Jake out of commission and made him relinquish his idol. And now he's in fucking to- well, I guess he's in Total Eclipse. He has Total Eclipse gear, and he changed his hair, and yeah. Finally got him out of them just plain black trunks. Oh he's my been, god, I know. Been needed to get out of those, so thankfully he was. Got a little gimmick. Maybe you'll get a push. We'll see. I'm excited for his 2022. Mm. At the very least, it means that Hokuto and Kodama don't have to eat pins for uh, Total Clips anymore. Honda can do That's it. That's why they did it. <laughs> Tajiri's like, I'm not the one eating the fucking pins either. So Oh, for sure. No. So, yep. What's your number two pick? Um, num- I don't know if number two will really be controversial or anything. Just because I know how some people feel about her. But uh, number two, I picked Jade. Jade Cargill from AEW. I mean... <laughs> Do I really need to explain why? Well, speaking of uh, celebrity matches, uh, her, that Shaq match with her and uh, <gasps> yes, that was actually pretty. Cody, beast. That was fucking awesome. Damn, what is it with the celebrity uh, influence of <laughs> the ones I pick? Well, I guess number one will kind of have it, but not match wise. But um, I know she's not the best. She is still pretty. She's she's pretty green. I, I'll admit that. But I mean, what other rookie have you really seen that comes out and just like screams star quality like? She screams top quality just, you know, gear-wise and all that other shit alone. Um, at least her pump kick looks fucking amazing. <laughs> so she fucking does it. But, I mean, she always has some pretty good opponents that um, that sell that for her. I am curious to see how her match with Ruby goes. I think that should be 
That should be pretty decent. I hope it's good. I hope it is too. That that's, thund- that's that's the last hope. The Thunder match was okay. That should have been her like breakout, like yeah. what made her, and it didn't it really work a, out. It got a little convoluted. But I mean, <clears throat> also at the same time, I got Mercedes in AEW, so I can't really complain too much. But yeah, I like, mean, it's unfortunate that that Shaq match probably is her best match so far. But that's because uh, she had a good match with Red Velvet, like a while. Like that was probably around that time. But, like, my thing with Jade, like, obviously, she just, you look at her and you see she should be a star. It's just, I don't think they're treating, like, I don't think they're doing the best for her. Giving her, like, putting her in, like, the best. She should be squashing That's people. The she should be squashing people. She shouldn't be having, like, 12-minute matches, 15-minute matches on TV with people. And, like. She's not going to be a, your work lead <clears throat> person, which is fine. But I'm just like, yeah, she doesn't need to be in these long matches. Like, obviously, she needs to train and, like, get to the point where she can have those long matches. But right now, I'm like, if you want to push her as, like, a person, like, I think she's I think she's winning the TBS title. Yeah. So. And she should, in my opinion, but. Oh, for sure. I, I, I think on. she should. Because, but, come on. You know TBS clamoring for somebody that looks like that to But to the win. thing is, though, she should be getting this title and then just squashing people for, like, every, like forever. Does. Like, that's what she should be doing. Like, like three, two, three-minute matches or even shorter than that and just squashing people. And this is why, like, I think she should win this over the AEW women's title for a long time because people more like Thunder, more like Ruby, kind of the ones that have a bit more experience should be the ones that win that title and go after the AEW women's title. That's why I don't understand why some people got so upset that Jade actually beat Thunder. Well, it's like, I think people want the TBS title to become like a work rate title, like kind of how like the TNT title is almost. Where you def- the person defends it every week and all you that kind of Kobe stuff. Kobe is a champion. Well, I know, but they want like the person defending it every week and having work rate matches. So that'd be like Ruby and Thunder. That's who you'd go with if you're, go you're going to make it that title. title. But especially with Thunder, I'm like she's, she's she li- has the history with Britt. She's literally going to be her if she does it. AEW stupid as but fuck. She's literally like the biggest match you have for Britt right now. So I don't know why anyone thought Thunder was actually going to win this. Exactly, exactly. If you freaking think about, it, like you said, <clears throat> Thunder is literally the only person that really even stands a chance at this point Britt's pretty much ran through everybody well that's why also i think they shouldn't even have introduced the tbs title i think that's they need a tag titles a bad, uh, yeah that's what this division needs is tag titles to be get like if that would you, actually put more people on tv puts more people on tv gives them more reps on tv which a lot of them need bad. more chances for feuds and the you already have a ton of tag teams in the fucking division you got Britt and jamie ty and what's anna now you have mercedes and jade which I that's think it's a, what a be, the best use for Jade would be a t- tag team with that Mercedes. That was actually a very smart uh, pair up, I think. Like if this was a like a tag title, like a tag title tournament, and it was Jade and Mercedes, and they won it, that's perfect use for it. Jade gets the reps on TV. She's less time in the ring, but she gets still gets to learn from people. Mm. Mercedes gets to carry the weight because she's a great wrestler. It's just I don't know. Plus, they just botched the whole TBS title tournament anyway. Cause it feels inconsequential. The, the, the tournament but, was just completely botched, but whatever. But anyway, that was her pick, Jade Cargill. And my number one pick, I think we're going to have the same number one picks here, is <laughs> Hook. Of course it's Hook. I mean, Based. what's there to say? It's, it's Hook. Like, the dude was the first person to outsell CM Punk on Pro Wrestling Tees since AEW's yeah. debut. Just after one match. He just had one match. And one it's like, match, and that's all it took. And better yet, he makes the right kind of wrestling fan and wrestling vet mad because he was just no-selling shit in a second match. I'm like, that's fucking cool as shit. I don't care. Like, I love how we pick and choose what we get mad at to no-sell, you know? I'm like, who fucking cares? It was badass, it was badass shit. I don't care. And like, he caused discourse on Christmas weekend when these people should have had better things to do with their time, like spending time with their families. But there was a lot of discourse that weekend, like uh, Mr. Elgin and uh, Rovert going at it over fucking weird shit and 
but uh yeah but really it's maybe it's my overall lack of uh remembering who else really debuted this year pretty much it's hard to keep or up recently biased well either way when i was thinking about rookie of the year like literally my first ho- as soon as i read it hook. yeah like, i was like it's hook it's hook That's so all it is. he's a clear winner if anyone other than him wins rookie of the year in any kind of these awards i don't know well, I guess if you don't watch AEW, that's cool, too. But Yeah, I'm like, yeah, if you um, don't watch it, I get it. But other than that, I really don't know who I'd pick. Like, I know people hate, like, there's people that hate American wrestling. I can get it. But I get it, because I have a pretty, I pretty much have a disdain for it. But, yeah. But I'm like, if you watch AEW, I think there's no other better rookie than Hook, honestly. Honest to God, matches. there's, like, nobody better than Hook. Like, I know this dude's been training, you know, quite a bit. So and it's not even like just in ring either. It's just like he has like star power and he he's like two matches. He literally does nothing but like pouts in the corner when he gets there. I'm like, he looks like this little stuck up like college kid. And all he does is look mad. But I'm like, for some reason, that shit is just undeniably fucking cool as hell. <laughs> so And I'm like, he was a huge meme on wrestling Twitter before he debuted. Exactly. And then he fucking backed it up when he actually debuted. So it's like. And that's why it's so easy to get behind Hook because we memed him up. But then he backed his shit up in the ring. Dude's fantastic. You can't tell me you haven't seen a lot of rookies just come out and, you know, absolutely just look fantastic, just charisma-wise and in-ring-wise. And I'm still waiting for that uh, TNT title challenge for him. Gotta that wait we till Greensboro. Promised. They said they'll do it next time in Greensboro. All right, well, there we go. Cannot wait for that. Whenever that'll be. But uh, <laughs> honorable mentions real quick. Uh, I just wanted to shout out all of the Noah, Dragon Gate, and DT Young Boys. Yes. They're all just They're fun all parts great. of the undercard out of their for their respective promotions. While you have Young Boys and DT also starting to move up more, step up. Kojima and Kuroku joining factions. Yes. Okatani trying to join a new faction after Jinratsu fell apart. And uh, same with Honda. Can't wait for all these young guys to just see what they do. I love the, the DDT future. young guys. They're like some of my favorites, I think. <laughs> mm, I love the DDT young boys. And I'm really excited for Okatani, especially. I think mm. I voted for him for Rookie of the Year, like one of my three last year. Yes. And he's still fucking great. Like his, oh, yeah. his, his time with Akiyama was amazing. And he's only going to keep growing more with Sakaguchi and uh, Higuchi helping him. Like, if you're not aware, uh, he's going to be f- uh, facing Higuchi on one of the upcoming DDT shows. Basically, I can't wait. Higuchi's going to try him out, see, like, if you can. Face me, then maybe you can, you yeah. can join because like Sakaguchi and uh, Saki Akai already said he's fine to join, but Higuchi gotta he gotta make him prove his worth here. Higuchi, like you gotta prove yourself, man. That match should fuck. I can't wait for that. Yeah, that should be fun. All right, next award, uh, another positive award here, moment of the year. Actually, <laughs> this one will have That's a little pretty, bit more. And pretty much like we said, uh, it's pretty much just which moments of the year will stick with you going into 2022. Again, we'll start from the bottom, work our way up. Uh, start off with number three for me. Oh, I have was, five, by the way. Oh, so. let's do your five. There, my, what's your fifth then? Okay, my fifth. Like I said, this isn't in, in any real particular order. It's just, you know, stuff that got me super excited. Um, So I put Mr. Go Shiyazaki's return to Noah after quite some time away. I can't remember how long it had been. Almost... About February yeah. or March. It was basically after he dropped the title to Mudo. He's yeah, he was finally, gone. He like, got his surgery like he should have gotten forever ago. Yeah, he and he like, finally, finally fucking rested. Fucking <laughs> Man came back after Nakajima retained his fucking title and looked like he had stepped through a fucking time machine. The man finally got some damn rest. He looked young he as hell. He looked so damn good compared to what he looked like after he lost to Mudo. It was actually incredible. Um, Didn't really watch a whole lot of wrestling like after he came back 
Um, obviously, still have to watch the Budokan show just to see, but just everything I saw, you know, he looked like he looked like the same old go, the same, you know, <laughs> I'll chop this shit out of you. I heard he was like chopping walls or something, oh just like fucking um, <laughs> yeah. I think it was Masao after he had uh, surgery and shit, too. I'm like, oh, Jesus. These two. These two, I swear. But, yeah, that was obviously, I think, a lot of people's, you know, very... People were were really excited for that as well. But, yeah, I had waited for that for a long time and did not disappoint after Nakajima retained. Yeah, so I guess I can go ahead and talk about it now, too, because that was my number three pick. <laughs> there we go. It's like, as soon as Nakajima broke out the line, I am Noah in a promo, mm-hmm. I was like, I knew Go was coming back, and I was going to, I knew that was going to be the match for the Budokan. Like, there's no way anything else could yeah. be that. Like, I'd have been expecting it for a while anyway, as it was just what made the most sense to me. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, it was mentioned on commentary before, like, that Go was training to make his comeback. So I, it felt as an inevitability more than anything else. Like, I think he could have come back sooner, but with the N one and all that going on, there was really no there's no point to bring him back until it was like absolutely necessary. But it's one of those things where I fully believed it was happening, but there's still like that thing in the back of your mind of like, is it actually gonna happen? (laughs) We're trained as wrestling fans to be like, no, doubt everything. But yeah, go returned, we got the match we wanted. Show just happened. Sounds like the match is very good, like everyone expected. Yeah, we'll save that for uh, next week's episode. Yeah. When we talk about all the shows all that happened at the beginning oh, of the year. God. But it sounds like it was great. And uh, either way, I'm very excited for that feud. And I can't wait to see the conclusion, or at least the conclusion for now. And speaking of his return, he is facing Kaito sometime it's soon. It's the fourth, I think. Okay. I thought it was like one of these billions of shows that's happening in one week. But that that should also be extremely good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on one of the Corkins because they're doing two back to back Corkins like they usually do at the end of the year, January fourth, which the, the show they're like the they're actually announcing the card, but the January fifth show is another Mystery Vortex show, so I'm yep. curious to see what that happens. I love these shows. But by the time y'all, some of y'all watch, listen to this, you might already watch. <laughs> you them, might but already we'll know. <laughs> uh, what's your number four? My number four also still has to do with Noah. Shocker, I know. Um, was Nakajima's title win? Simple as that. I waited for this for quite a long time, you know. He won the N1 2020, didn't win against Go in a fantastic match. Probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite match of that year. Um, And then he did it again in 2021, you know. Oh, shit, I just realized my two favorites won their fucking perspective tournaments (laughs) back-to-back. What the hell? Um, Yeah, sorry, I just remembered Hiromu also won Best of Super Juniors this year, too, which I didn't watch. So... I'm an invalid fan. Sorry. Okay. It's like, this is like the first year I think we haven't watched any Best Super Juniors. That's fucking awful. Like, I still want to go. I want to go back and watch Jesse and Hiromu sometime. I know. It's just, I just haven't but felt yeah. like it. Anyway. But yeah. Going. Anyways, it Nakajima's title win just felt, you know, it felt right. Not as like a super fan or anything, but it just felt like it was about goddamn time. Uh, You know, I know some people were disappointed because Marafuji had such a short reign, but... I I think Nakajima <laughs> winning it was the right move, and I was extremely excited for that because honestly he's been on one hell of a tear. Like not just this year, but the past year, he's he's been on a tear for quite some time now. So yes, that was definitely super exciting. Um, and I think his title run is gonna be one to remember for sure. Like I know the reason that uh, Marufuji won the title is because Buddha oh, didn't yeah. want to pull it over some exactly. young guy. I get that, but. 
I kind of like how it worked, actually, because the way Nakajima came into the title and, like, how his reign's gone so far. Because his first two defenses, or not first two defenses, but first title, first two title matches of his reign, the one where he won it and the one where he successfully defended, he beat Noah's past, and then he beat Noah's current in Go. Like, he beat Marfuji, who was the, the, the guy of Noah for, like, especially the past couple years. Then Go became Noah, obviously, because that was his little catchphrase, I'm Noah. And Nakajima beat him. So now Nakajima can say he beat all the main guys in Noah. I do think he'll need to beat Sugiura before he can, like, complete the set. Mm. That's the last, like, final boss kind of thing. But uh, I like how it worked, even though the whole reason it happened is because of Mudo. But that's what it is. We already talked about mine number three because it was Go. Like, hers was number five. So what's your number three pick, I guess? Uh, my number three pick was also a title win, and it's kind of going to be something I talk about in the next um, portion, was Jake Lee's title win in All Japan. Um, that was something else, you know, I had been waiting for quite a long time for, um, being a big Jake Lee fan as soon as I um, started watching. But... Yeah, you know, that was really exciting because, you know, anytime you see a title or any kind of title contention with uh, Kento in it, you get a little nervous <laughs> because, obviously, you know, he's like the ace of All Japan and all that stuff. But Jake Lee finally winning the title was, was made me feel very vindicated. <laughs> um, and I thought he was, I thought he actually had a pretty de- decent year until, unfortunately, you know, he had to vacate the title because of his broken orbital bone i believe yeah so that kind of sucks but you know just looking back i think he had a pretty decent title run and we got the whole uh startup of total eclipse so that was that was very cool is total eclipse has pretty much become like my favorite faction in all japan easily all right get to my number two i don't i know she put this on her list i don't know if it's her number two or number one but my number two pick is cm puck's return to wrestling (laughs) I think I'll let Caitlin talk more about this one since she's the CM Punk mark in the household. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, quick thoughts on it myself. This was expected. Rumored for a very long time. Really just like the most open secret in wrestling that Punk was going to debut at AEW's show in Chicago. Which is really why this is only second on my list. It might have been number one, but the fact that it was so expected kind of put over my number one ahead of it a little bit to me. But Because uh, my number one was a, little, a legitimate surprise. And that's why it just edged out Punk. But... It's really hard to deny just how special a moment Punk's return was. It wasn't... I wasn't even a big wrestling fan during Punk's big run in WWE. Like, I just started getting into it because me and her were dating at the time. But uh, she was a huge fan back then. So it was just a great feeling to hear the music, see him walk out. The promo was amazing. And I was just happy for Caitlyn, happy for every (laughs) fan, really. And it was just a great night to be a wrestling fan. But I'll let you talk. Oh, do you want me to go ahead and talk about it? Because that was my number one. Oh, you can go ahead and talk about it. It's number one. Yeah, so, like I said, CM Punk's return was my number one. Um, I know you said kind of knowing everything hurt it. I don't think it hurt it. I think it made the anticipation for me just kind of rise a little bit more. Because it was just like, you got to the show, you hear the crowd just chanting CM Punk because it's like, everyone knew. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a secret or anything. But then it was just like, you hear the static hit, and then you hear Cult of Personality go on, and you're just like... Oh my fucking god, this dude's actually back after, like, I think it was like seven years or something like that. Something, it's been a long time, but it was just, the moment was incredible. The Having the crowd there really, really made it. If 
we were still kind of doing the no crowd stuff. I don't. It wouldn't have been. I don't same. think the impact would have been quite the same. Like you could have debuts and stuff in AEW during this era or like no people era, but CM Punk was somebody that you definitely wanted to bring in when you could bring crowds back because that honestly made it even better. You know, obviously his promo was fantastic too. I mean, dude always has cut a really great promo. Um, his work, I think, has been pretty good since he's been back. You know, nothing, like, outstanding or anything, but for someone who was out of the wrestling industry for so long to come back and just continue, like, he pretty much didn't leave is, uh, is pretty incredible, especially because, you know, he's older, but he's done, I think he's done a really good job. Um, I'm excited to see his, uh, 2022. That's your number one, but I guess we'll go with your number two now since... My number two is probably your number one, and that was Shibata's return. All right, then I'll talk about that. Then there you we, go. She can follow me up. My number one, obviously, was Shibata's return. If you're a longtime listener <laughs> of the podcast, you'll remember we don't have a whole lot of love lost for New Japan currently for a variety of reasons, but uh, and that really hasn't changed since we've been gone. Nope. But uh, it's fucking Shibata, man. Like, actually yeah. having <laughs> a match. Who's not excited about Shibata? Like, come on. Like, it was an exhibition match, and he's about to have one at Wrestle Kingdom, so... Maybe that kind of slightly lessens it a little bit, I guess. But I don't know. I really thought this dude was never going to wrestle again. Yeah. Which is really what pushes this one ahead of the other two on my list. Because this was such a surprise. And I've never actually seen Okada and Shibata because I didn't go to get to see it live. And I knew what happened to Shibata. So it never really felt right to watch it. Maybe I'll finally go watch it now that he's actually kind of back in the ring. And I won't feel as bad watching it. Yeah, it's tough. But, uh... He's back, and his return exhibition match with Zack Sabre Jr. was just excellent. And we're going to get more of that at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Which Very I've curious se- who his opponent is. If it's who I want it to be. We'll see. I think it's going to be Suzuki, but oh, we'll see. okay. But, uh, <laughs> which, uh, either way, I've seen uh, some Western fans get on Twitter bitch about it not being an actual match and being like a catch rules match. Catch but, rules, match rules. But, so, like, there you go. this dude shouldn't even be wrestling, period. Yeah, so the fact cry. that he's wrestling again... And we got to see it twice. I really can't complain. And honestly, I think this is just going to be to set up another match Pretty down the much, road. Yeah, I think so, so I'm like, as well. Just, I don't. Well, that's a whole different thing. That new, a lot of New Japan Western fans are entitled little babies, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but like, I don't know how you can like have Shibata return for a match and you find some way to complain about it. Honestly, but they always find a way. But yeah, like we're not that's even a new, different. We're like yeah. we're not even New Japan super fans, but that still just sounds like you're just being a baby. But. Yeah. I just want to see the fucking guy wrestle, so I'm happy. That's I'm what happy. I'm saying. I'm like, I will absolutely take a catch wrestling match. I don't I don't care what he does. As long as he's in the ring at some capacity, you know, then just take that. But yeah, that was my number two, obviously. It was so weird because I woke up and I was just checking, um, I was just checking the results on New Japan and I was like, wait, it's like Shibata, Shibata did what? <laughs> and so obviously I ran to Twitter and I just see everybody absolutely freaking out that Shibata, you know, showed up and had his little five-minute exhibition with Zack. So, that was insanely cool. Like like you said, this is this was a wrestler not a whole lot of people, I think, ever expected to actually really, truly wrestle again. So, for him to do that and then get a match on Wrestle Kingdom is absolutely wild. And I think a lot of people are probably going to tune into Wrestle Kingdom just uh, just to see that. And whoever he faces, but um, I don't know who he's going to face. I'll keep 
any kind of worries to myself because I'm not entirely too sure. But like you said, it might be Suzuki, I guess. You could do that. That's not bad. So... Like, there's been speculation of what's going to be Ibushi, but can't be Ibushi because he's still out injured. Ibushi would be a bit weird for me, but yeah. Who like, who do you think who do you think would be, actually? I don't know if this is what I think or if this is more like what others want, but if they could have got Gresham or something in there. That'd be cool, but I don't, I, not I don't think that's going to happen, no. And it's, plus, he's technically a junior, I guess. I don't know if they ca- if they care about that for this. It's got to be someone that's already in Japan. Cause... Yeah, well then, it is probably Suzuki. Or if they are Couldn't fucking crazy it, and got someone outside of New Japan, then... I doubt that, though. <laughs> probably, yeah. But we'll they see. should use a Noah dude. <clears throat> I mean, they're going to be they're gonna be doing Noah versus New Japan, so grab a Noah guy. I still, like, still, ever since like I've talked to you about this, and like the one match I want Shibata to have... Is I want him to face Kenta. That's literally the match oh, I want from God, him. Oh God, I know. Like obviously there's other matches I'd love to see from Kenta or yeah, from Kenta. They from set it Shibata, up but, like years ago. But yeah, it's like Kenta. Kenta is the match. That Kenta if, is the match. If you can have like one legitimate wrestling match with Shibata, that's the match. I don't care if people think. Well, if you want, from what I can t- hear, if you watch the Noah Budokan show and still think Kenta's washed, then I don't know what to tell you. But I know a lot of people say so Kenta's fucking not good, good anymore, Lord. but. I don't care. I don't, like, I don't even care how the match is. That's literally like the most heated feud match you could have with Trada. Yeah. So that's that's what I want. But that is moments of the year. Uh, honorable mentions for me is uh, Yamamura hitting the fucking uh, big move during the Gleets final show of the oh year this year. Oh my god, that was so... Uh... Still haven't seen the show yet myself because we have just haven't had time. But I've seen gifts of it and how the match ended. And I'm just like, that was so fucking cool. Like, I don't think it means he's going to be coming back to wrestling anytime soon. But, but it was nice to see him hit it. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later, I guess. But, like, the way it fed into the feud for uh, Bulk Orchestra and Stronghearts, I just love it. Uh see. Other than that, uh, Dreamgate Kai, because, hell yeah, brother. Yeah. My fucking guy, I Kai. I didn't get to bring Wrestle that one, up, let's yes. go. Wrestle 1 yes. is thriving. Dreamgate Kai got me so excited. I was so pumped. Honestly, a lot of my uh, honorable mentions are Dragon Gate stuff. Like, uh, Yoshino's retirement good, show. Dragon Gate's a good stuff, and, yeah... That, but yeah, Kobe yeah. World and Speed Star Final were just great shows, and mm-hmm. just the moment of uh, Yoshino retirement, his the whole thing at the end of the show of Yoshi- or Speed Star Final is just really emotional and yeah, yeah, sad to see him go. Very sad to see him go, but glad he opened his gym. Mm-hmm. I follow him on Instagram just to see just to see what he's doing. So very, I'm very happy for him. Also, we got KZ King of Gate, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. <laughs> Don't. At least I will. But I'm that bring was, it up to you, bitch. But that was a great moment. And then uh, Jake Lee and Fonts uh, yeah. double turn from earlier in the year. I remember how hyped the timeline was when that shit happened. Like, everyone was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? What is happening here? Yeah, I'm like, that happened. You felt like it was a great turn, great beginning of a feud. You thought that, was that was gonna, was going to like light up all Japan's year. Uh, sure as hell didn't. It was... Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's there's a lot of problems with all Japan this year, I'll say that. But, I mean, they signed Ashino, so. But, uh... <laughs> Let's, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about that later, I guess. But let's get into our first negative category of the show, and it's a uh, disappointment uh. of the year. <laughs> what happened in wrestling this year that was the most disappointing to you? A match, a moment, an, an, an individual. Uh, what, let's uh, start from the bottom. Do you have how many you have? I have five, but there's like some, I don't... Oh, four. Wait, I can't count. I'm sorry. Well, let's get, One was long because I put in a bunch of stuff for it. Let's go with your number four, then. Number four was 
We got KZ when in King of Gate, but uh, there was truly no KZ time when it came to a title win again. That was like the biggest gut punch, I think. Um, because honestly, the matches he had were so fucking good. And that's what his, game, like, his, his King of Gate run is fucking his amazing. His King of Gate run was so good. And then the title match was, oh my God. I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. And then, like, no. He, he was one of the best wrestlers of the year up to that point honestly i swear after he really run. was up to that run he was legitimately in like contention is one of the top wrestlers of the year and then unfortunately you know he had stuff with his his ankle come up so he was out for a little bit and then he hasn't been doing too much they since haven't then. done yeah which sucks i well yeah. i think part of that's just that the rest of fat natural vibes are kind of doing bigger things like you had the tag run with Suzuki yeah, and uh, shimizu and uh yeah funky jackie Kamei or junkie jackie Funk. funky Kamei yeah. baby <laughs> Him with the little brave gay feud with SBK. So cute. But yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about it now. Uh, Casey's uh, losing the Dreamgate shot again was my number two disappointment. Oh, wow. Like you said, it was just a gut punch. I wasn't surprised he lost. I really half expected it, but it was still he a was gut punch. Naito, god damn it. Like you said, like, it really was almost as bad as Naito lo- losing to Okada for me in the dome. <gasps> oh, I remember he cried when he was coming out. And I think that's definitely when the gut was like, oh no. And it's like, after that uh-huh. that Naito Okada match, I gave up on Naito ever winning the IWGP again, and I'm kind of getting to that point with KZ, unfortunately. Yeah, and it really sucks as a fan because like he goes through King of Gate, as I mentioned, he was like, MVP of that tournament. I loved everything he did. Basically, had a banger final with uh, Kota Minora. He d- and wins a damn thing, at, and it's just he's all set up for a feel good moment of finally winning the damn like the thing, but. They got to insert Yamato into the bullshit for no reason. Oh, no. Here we go. <clears throat> so they had to have two title matches for that weekend. Then he just loses. <clears throat> it's just, like, huge disappointment to me as a fan of his. Like, just, that Shun match is fucking awesome, and then he just loses it. That match is so good. Just, I'm getting close to giving up on him winning the Dreamgate. He's just there as defense fodder, apparently. And, hey... I thought the same thing about Naito, never winning the IWGP again, so maybe it'll be the same thing, and KZ will finally do it, but I don't know. It's just a huge disappointment. I guess we'll get into number threes. Or, yeah, number threes. What am I saying? Get into our third picks. I'll go, I'll go ahead and do my third pick here. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I was having a hard time deciding hard. on this, to yeah. be honest. So I just went with the first thing that came to my head from number three, and that was uh, Mr. Haku leaving Cyberfight. And this one isn't such so much a disappointment. I just... Like I said, I didn't know this what else to put. Sad. Like, I'm not disappointed in Haku for leaving. I'm really excited for what he does in the future. I guess the disappointment is that it's an end of an era for DDT fandom yeah. in the West. Like, from 2022 on, it's going to be just a much different experience as a fan. More than likely, we won't be having someone doing live translations of promos or translating tweets and stuff like that. They do have an English account for DDT now, in addition, like, to replace Haku. And so far, they're doing a pretty good job with, like, video subtitles and, like, tweet- tweeting big news in English and all that kind of stuff, but... It doesn't feel quite as personal as, like, Mr. Haku would yeah. be. Yeah, and I was like, I just, I just doubt we're going to get the same level of English content as Haku is offering. Which really sucks. So, I guess we'll just have to see what their English outreach becomes in 2022, but it just really won't be the sad, like, the same thing, and it's just sad to see. And, yeah, like I said, I wish Haku the best. He's hinting at other options, but I think he's just trolling a little bit on Twitter oh, right now. Of course. But, Tall Saya. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see what he does in the future. It's just going to be a different experience as a, wrestler, as a DDT fan now. Yeah, I I kind of put like DDT scene, but I didn't really know how to like expand on it. But Mr. Haku leaving is, yeah, that's definitely a big loss for 
the English speaking community because like you said it might be a little bit more impersonal just because you know he was he was translating a whole lot that he really didn't have to but I don't yeah. think DDT is going to be sick enough in the head to actually do that like he was no, to translate live. I was going to say, no, 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 they're Once not. Once they get no. like a commentator that'll do it live, like how Mark Pickering does for Noah or like mm. Chris Ralton does for New Japan. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, yeah, that was a big disappointment for sure. Oh, like I said, DDT scene, I guess it's because I hadn't really been interested in a whole lot DDT was doing until like this past month uh, with the creation of Burning. Um,. My new uh, favorite fashion, <laughs> DDT, but yeah, I I think DDT kind of cooled off, at least for me, for a little bit. Um, you know, like, Cyber Fight Fest was really good and stuff, but I think, like, a little bit past that, I was just kind of like, mm, eh, I don't know. Like, there was still some good stuff here and there, but it was just kind of like, eh, it cooled off a decent bit for me, so. But I think 2022 is already shaping up to look a lot, a lot more fun for me especially with these upcoming shows this week and uh, i already did my number two so what's your number two? Oh shit i forgot i put this um <laughs> this is i put jay lethal going to AEW. um you could honestly say AEW signing whoever is i guess allegedly in some shit but the jay lethal thing was just like why it makes no fucking they sense. They signed him, and then they just relegated him to fucking dark, and then he lost in the little uh, battle royale for the ring or whatever the hell it is, and was, like, tossed over, like, as the second person. So, it was kind of like, A.W., what did you really get from that? Besides, you know, a honestly boring wrestler and shitty person, but yeah. That's my fucking thing with, like, them signing Lethal. It's like, if you want to look the other way for a wrestler, for, like, if they're, like, shitty outside of the ring and all that kind of shit but jay lethal of all people why would you look the other way yeah. he's fucking boring as hell right now i'm like seriously like, i don't want to see bobby fish on my tv at all ever <gasps> him too that's that's why i brought up the whole AEW signing bad people because bobby as but well it's like at least i get why they did it for him because then you can reform redragon or red dragon how you fucking say it is a, a way to get kyle o'reilly once he's signed i i get it i mean i I don't think you should have signed him anyway, because Kyle, I'd rather see it in a singles capacity. But at least something like that, I can understand looking the other way. But Jay Lethal, what what does he bring to the company? <laughs> I don't understand. Literally nothing. All he brings is his little cosplay of another wrestler, so whatever. But anyway. I think for number one, we're pretty much going to be uh, on the same track here. Yeah, my number one most disappointment, <laughs> or biggest disappointment of the year is Jake Lee's title reign. <laughs> like, if you're a long-time listener, we've been screaming from the rooftops that All Japan needed to finally uh, put the belt on Jake and let him have a run with it. And while I'm picking his reign for biggest disappointment of the year, I still think they should have done it. The problem is, like, just about anything that could have gone wrong about his reign did go wrong. Like, they have Suwama go on the super reign, but then when it's finally time to him, for him to put over someone, he catches COVID, which... Obviously, it's not his fault or anything, but it's just already puts Jake behind the, the like, puts him back a spot because it's like he should have started off his reign beating up the Swama's long, yeah, to make him look whatever. a bit more dominant. So they had to do like this weird booking and do a triple threat with Jake, Kento, and Yuma, and I thought that was a great match, and the concept worked, and the visual of Jake with all three of the original title belts rocked. Cool. But it's just like he needed to beat Swama. Like that's what how the reign should have started. 
then he was likely going to defend his title against Ishikawa in his first defense, but then Ishikawa also catches COVID before the number one contendership match that he's supposed to have with Ashino. So Ashino gets the match instead. I think they would have went with Ashino challenging eventually, but they went to it too fast, and it was out of their control, really, why they did it, but still didn't work out. Then he finally defended against Suwama. Then he had a 60-minute match with Kento, which I could not tell you the first thing about. They, like, it was extremely, yeah. I didn't think it was a bad match, but I don't think it got really anywhere till closer to the mm-hmm. end of it. And then, I get why they did it, because it was like a big arena, and they had to have something big, and what's bigger than doing Kento and Jake, it's just... And then they copped out and did the draw, so is, okay. Yeah, I'm like, I just they didn't need to go to Kento yet, but then again, they don't have many people they could have had go, I guess. But uh, either way, they then set up the match with Abdullah Kobayashi, which the result was in no question, but I was weirdly intrigued about it. I wanted to see what it ended up being. But then he gets injured and relinquishes the title. Despite the hot start to Total Eclipse, the Triple Crown Jake just never really lit a flame under all Japan like we hoped it would. It wasn't bad, just not exciting, which you could just say about all of all Japan's year, to be honest. With, uh, which we could have seen what his reign ending would have actually, or what his reign would have ended up being like in 2022, but I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I was going to say my number one pretty much played into that, but it was kind of a combination of like all Japan's just overall lackluster, kind of boring booking in his reign. Um, definitely, I don't, none of this was in Jake's control at all um it just unfortunately didn't end up the way we had hoped i hope when he comes back that you know he gets another shot and things are a little bit more smooth but we'll see whenever he comes back not quite sure about that yet so hopefully not too bad but hopefully he recovers quickly and safely too but on to all japan's just overall booking has been (laughs) kind of dog shit (laughs) let's be real um I'll go ahead and start with the probably super unpopular choice of Super Crazy winning the junior title. I woke up to that and I just shook my fucking head because that is such a Tajiri type shit to do. And I truly just don't understand. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of head shaking moments with All Japan's booking in general right now, so... To be fair, the junior title in in All Japan this year has been kind of weird to begin at all. That's a very good point, too. The junior title has been extremely weird. Like, you had Iwamoto walking in, then he lost to Shima, which I'm fine with that decision. But then Shima wouldn't put over Akira, so they had to put it back on Iwamoto first, and then Akira won it. it. Yeah, that was the weird... And then Akira immediately dropped it to fucking... Was Sugi? Yes. And then Sugi drops it back, or drops it to Izanagi, and then Izanagi drops it to Super Crazy, and it's just, they just keep flip-flopping that title, and it's been not great. And one, like, one of those could be avoided, it's just Shima is fucking impossible to work with, so he wouldn't put over the white boy, but, and then, I don't know why they even bothered putting it on Akiro when he was about to leave anyway. Like, it's a nice little pocket watch reign for him, I guess, which I can't complain about, because Akiro's been fucking, he's, he's a great wrestler, I can't complain too much, but I wish he'd been able to stay. <laughs> I'll just say that, I guess. Mm. But, uh. Guess that's it for disappointment of the year. Uh, well, let me. I'll at least praise all Japan for their tag team, their tag team stuff. When I say tag team, I pretty much just mean next stream and runaway suplex. But hey, at least that shit's been fun. That's 
probably about it. <laughs> Damn, disrespect my boys Kumadoi. Like they're oh not... shit, my bad. You know we have we didn't really watch the tag stuff. But no, they, they got Kumadoi has been fun as well. They, they got a pretty good tag division right now. That's Tony not... Clips's tag stuff is actually fun. What the fuck, Kumadoi and then uh, Kodama and um, Hokuto is fun. And you got Strong Hearts with the all Asia. Strong so Hearts. That was fun. They did right. And I don't know if they're coming or when they're coming back. But uh, honorable mentions for disappointment of the year. She kind of already t- said it, but one of mine was All Japan's 2021. Also want to talk about or drop uh, New Japan's uh, main event title scene. That has not been the best. That's all. <laughs> mm, New Japan's anything hasn't been very good. And well. uh, my other one, last one is Jay White's 2021. What a disappointment. It's man. so sad. Like He had that fucking awesome match with Kota Ibushi. Match of the year contender for me. Yeah, I'll say. And then Very he cuts match. that amazing promo. Everyone thinks he's about to be like, like, be one of the hottest guys in wrestling, and then nothing. Shows up in Impact, and then goes to farm. And it's not all his fault. It's <laughs> fucking COVID too. And, it's COVID. It's a lot of COVID. And supposedly he's getting a, trying to get a green card because he's getting married to an American woman. So that's nice. The go you. But, yeah, it's just... Go, Jay. It's just really disappointing that everyone... Like, I I was one of the people that was really excited for his 2021 after that promo, after Wrestle Kingdom, and then just yeah. nothing really came of it. Then again, I don't... I guess I can't mind, since I've barely watched New Japan this year, so exactly. him actually doing <laughs> stuff would actually make me want to watch it. <sighs> Let's see, another positive category next is Best Feud. Basically, what was the best feud this year? Match quality, storyline, whatever criteria you want. Mine is gonna we're gonna have some live editing here on the show because, as I mentioned, we were listening to some other podcasts and I was listening to other people's like wrestler like, or uh, yeah. year end award <laughs> stuff. And some of my uh, best few lists and, and some of my other lists, I just could so not yeah, think of stuff, okay. so I just came up with stuff. Some of mine was influenced. <laughs> so might do some uh, editing here on the air, but uh, how many do you have here? Four. Four. So we'll go ahead and do your number four of them. Um, my four was. Uh... Why is this no surprise to anybody? But it was Go and Nakajima. I put it. I put it lower just because you know it's like pretty fresh. Just because yeah. he came back in November, so you can't really be like, oh yeah. But the thing, the thing is, it made it over some network like forever ago. So mm-hmm. what does that tell you? But I mean, the history, the history is there. If you watch Noah, you know. Uh, and if you know, I love Axis. Um, so anytime they're together, it just, oh, they, they just do a great, they just do a great job with storytelling. The in-ring stuff is always good, but God damn it, the storytelling is so compelling with, with Go and Nakajima. And I think that's been a really shining part of Nakajima is his storytelling these past couple of years, which I think has gotten better with each rivalry he's had. So yeah, Go and Nakajima is pretty much a no-brainer for probably one of the best feuds. Yeah, I put it in my honorable mentions. Mm. I just couldn't... Well, if I'd been doing, like, more than just three, I probably would have put it in there. Oh, but yeah, yeah. It's just I couldn't justify it being in my top three just because it's just started, basically. Yeah. If the match, I get If that. the match had taken place this year, I probably would have picked it. But it's just the fact that the feud just, just started and then the, the blow-off match of the feud isn't happening until 2022. I just couldn't justify putting it in 2021. I don't care. Everything else was shit, so... <laughs> but, uh... My number three pick here is uh, Bulk Orchestra versus Strong Hearts from Great. Like, the build of Bulk Orchestra as a unit has been one of the best things about Great and in the latter half of this year. And this leading to a feud of Strong Hearts was just great stuff. This is less about match quality and more about storytelling. 
like how they built this feud just worked and it peaked perfectly with Yamamura getting involved to help Stronghearts get the big win, as I mentioned, in moments of the year. I don't like Bulk Orchestra already losing a match, a big match like this, so young into the group's formation, but I don't think it hurts them too much and they're really selling this on uh, Twitter. <laughs> like they're yes. like <laughs> Krasma and his no- his notes app. <laughs> yeah, like they're the w- a lot of wrestlers when they lose their hair, they barely sell it. Uh, Julia, but it's the way like Stronghearts are in uh, not Stronghearts, Bulk Orchestra is like selling how like big of a deal it is that Haida Tamura lost his hair, and I like that it also helps build, which I think is going to be an inevitable feud between Kawakami and Tamura over. Not necessarily leadership of Bulk Orchestra, but I think they're going to feud eventually. That said, I also do wish uh, Stronghearts had actually lost just so that Gremlin Lindemann would finally get rid of his hair. Should have put a no tan, no more tanning uh, stip on that one. Yeah, that too. He needs to lose a tan too, but it's really the hair bothers me. <laughs> he needs to go back to the pink hair. I love that. But Yes, please. I love the shaved head. Oh, so I love it. But uh, what's your number three? Um, my number three, well, I say it's kind of new, but it's not really. It's a rivalry that's kind of been going on for quite a bit of time, but it's pretty much El Desperado and Hiromu. I mean, Hiromu won BOSJ, so clearly we know what that means, and I haven't watched any other stuff, but just seeing, um, like, fan photos on Twitter and seeing, you know, how they fucking get where they're, like, so close that they should honestly just kiss at this fucking point. But, um, it's, like, that's all I really need to see. <laughs> because I know the two are going to have a great damn match at Wrestle Kingdom. and They're going to kill each other. They're going to fucking murder each other. And they do every time, so. they're going to get exactly, as much time as they need. They're going to, oh, God, that's going to be a nice... Well, it may be a nice 30 plus, but we don't know. I don't know for sure. Maybe it won't be, but it's New Japan. I I I always fucking expect. They're going to give Okada and Osprey like 50 minutes. (laughs) Please, God, no. I'd rather. Never mind. I'm just. (sighs) I'd rather. uh, I'll just. I'll I'll get to Despy and Hiromu, and then I'll just be like, nah, I'm good. I'm out. But yeah. I just hope Despy wins. Like, I'm a, like we're both Hiromu marks, but I, I, I want Despy to win so bad. He's, he should get this win. He he should get this after all the wins Hiromu has accumulated on him over the years. They need to build a new star in that they division. Do. And Despy they do. is it, I think. And it's not like Hiromu's going to leave. Like, and he's not going heavyweight. <laughs> get fucking Los Dos a junior tag title match. Dude, bro. seriously. Like, I think that's what's going to happen God, in 2022. Unfortunately, I also think Show's going to win the title, but that's a different story. But that's story. a different story. But anyway, uh, my number two pick. Uh, I originally picked Dangerous Tigers versus LIJ. Now it's like Bates' match quality kind of bullshit just because I couldn't think of anything else and I enjoyed the tag title matches they were having over the summer. Well, number two, uh, actual number two pick, which I did not, like, I didn't even think about it until he, even she mentioned it, which I think it's higher on her list than mine, but uh, Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk. That feud was just excellent. They built it. What, like two weeks, three weeks? It was very short build. It was build. very short build. But the promos were excellent. The match was fucking awesome. Mm. So, yeah, just those two are like two of the best in the best. Especially Eddie Kingston. I fucking love him, man. Yeah. He's like one of the best promos ever. He makes his matches feel so real. Like, he's not like an in ring general or anything. He ain't putting on like amazing matches. But, watch, well, I can't even say that. He is putting on amazing matches. That's a lot. Like, he's an amazing yeah. wrestler. He's great at what he does. No, There's no one like him. That was actually my number two pick. Um, like, he he pretty much said it all. Both guys are just incredible with what they do. You know, we all know how good Punk is on the mic. Eddie is just 
he's been incredible since he stepped foot in AEW <clears throat> for, you know, when he was facing Cody during the open challenge. He was fucking incredible then. And that's how he pretty much got signed, you know, besides the match itself. But, yeah, these two just, they killed it with the little time that they had. And, honestly, couldn't be any happier with the feud overall. And uh, my number one pick is Hangman Page versus uh, I wrote Daniel Bryan, but I mean Brian Danielson. I'd say I'm oh, gonna fuck God. that up. I, 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 th- I thought I fixed it too, and <laughs> apparently I didn't. But yeah, it's Brian Danielson. And I don't think this was supposed to be the feud, for, first feud for Hangman and his title reign. It was likely gonna be Mox before everything happened with that. Yeah. But for obvious reasons, they pivoted to Daniel Bryan, and him being a heel in AEW is just a revelation. Like, finally, a heel in this company I can actually get behind. Like, he's not cheesy, he's not corny, he's just real, a real dickhead. <laughs> and the promos were always spot on from both guys. The lead up to this match with Brian just running through Dark Order was great. The match itself was phenomenal, just as good as the Kenny and uh, Brian draw from earlier in the year at Arthur Ashe. Honestly, it was like the first great AEW title match to me since uh, Kenny defended against uh, Fenix earlier in the year. I don't think Kenny's title reign was that great. Like I think the, <gasps> I think all the all like the promos and all that kind of bullshit oh were good. Like gosh. I think his character work was great. Just like the match has never really lived up to. The height, height type yeah. to me. Other than, to like me. I said, the, the Phoenix match was fucking awesome. That's Great dynamite match. That's because Phoenix is, yeah. But uh, then they, uh, with this feud, they built up Brian wrestling every week as part of the feud as an excuse to why Brian couldn't beat Hangman in the 60-minute match. Only real thing I could complain about this is that the second match, they're doing like a judge gimmick, which... I don't like the judge gimmick, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit cheesy to me. I don't think they're actually going to come down to the judges. I think Kingman's just going to win in the he 60 should. minutes. If he doesn't win this one, then that kind of that kind of throws me off a bit. He but, needs a definitive win. Yeah, personally, I wish he would just definitively won last the last match. Oh, me too, for sure. But the match lo- was good. It didn't matter. As long as he wins the second time, I'm, it's fine. It's just that near the end, like I was, he had the buckshot, and I thought he was just going to win it, and didn't happen. But yeah, this is like one of my favorite feuds so far this year, and it happened like basically at the end of the year. Um, so my number one wasn't that. My number one was actually um Makito and Miyu Yamashita. I mean, what else can you say? These are two wrestlers that have both had an incredible year, to be quite honest with you. Um Maki improved with like each match that I saw her in. She's been improving for like the past couple years anyway, but you know. We're just now going to start to give her more credit, I guess. Um, That's the thing that annoys me, is that Maki's been great for a little bit yeah, now. Yeah, she's been great for a little bit. As soon as she showed up in AEW, everyone started praising her as being like so amazingly improved. And I'm just like, Which I'm like, is fine, you know, especially if that was your first time seeing her. It's like, whatever. And then you you saw that, you saw her after that, then that's fine. Um, she's been a great but she's for always a while been, now. Yeah, she's always been great. Um, Miyu, obviously, just... One of the best in the world, regardless of gender. Just incredible stuff. Um, these two have always kind of on and off had something going on. Even we saw Miyu and Maki in uh, New York. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the title match then, too. A little bit different. I don't... It was still good. But, yeah, Maki was still a little bit, you know, a little shaky then. But still overall really good. Um, you know, the whole story was, can Maki actually do it? You know, a Wrestle Princess too. And unfortunately, she didn't do it. But I mean, if you if you know anything about Maki and like the story that they tell with her is that she's she's, she's to meant lose. to lose. Like. So when she actually does win the big thing, it's it's gonna be like 
incredible. It was just funny to me because I saw a lot of people upset that Maki didn't win. And I was like, that's the whole thing. Like, <laughs> She's going to win it. Like, she just, is, this is her story. Yeah, like, I was one of the people that thought she was going to win at this time. But I'm like, I'm not mad she didn't. Like, yeah. Just means she has another hill to climb, and I'm fine with that. And she's and, and, and honestly, I do feel like she is probably going to do it this year. Um, I'm probably wrong about that, but I I just have a good I have a good feeling. Or maybe she's just going to beat Hikari. No, no, don't even <laughs> no, put that energy in it. Hikari Noah is holding that international princess title I really, for five years. I, I really do think Hikari she... needs to beat her. To be honest, like. I know Hikari already has the most defenses or whatever, and she's had an incredible... She's had a really damn good reign as well. Um, that's another champion you should check out if you haven't. Uh, but, you know, it's always like, oh, yeah, here comes Maki now. So, obviously, if when Hikari wins, I won't be too disappointed. I mean, it won't probably <laughs> be Maki wins, but... Oh, yeah. I, honestly, I forgot that match was even happening anytime soon. Mm, it's, yeah, it's in a couple days, I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's on that show, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's the start of this year. But Just like, I think it's on... I think it's the Miyu Mizuki. Yeah, Miyu Mizuki, yeah. Another, I'm interested to see how I'm that goes. I'm very excited for I, that as well. I can see Mizuki finally winning it too. We say that and then... But that'll make uh, Maki the first two-time international champ, I think. Yes, so, it should. That'd be interesting. But uh let's see. For honorable mentions real quick for Best Feud, as I mentioned, I already, I already talked about Go and Nakajima. Also, have Dragon Daya and Dia Inferno, but yes. that could be kind of just be R.E.D. versus Masquerade because there's just so much going on with that. And then Shun going crazy and all this him and Kota Minora stuff is a lot of fun in Dragon Gate. And uh, Utami Hayashida and Siri, just great matches between those two. Still haven't seen the uh, recent one that just happened a few days ago, but their feud's been pretty good. And also Kai and Yamato, I've loved this, yeah. like the, how they've told the story and how Kai just beat him clean in the end. Dragon Gate has honestly like had some really good rivalries and stuff going on this year. Dragon's been really good, I think. Like, and I think they're extremely underrated, even in the world of you know, like Puro Twitter and all that stuff. But I think they've been really good. Yeah, I wish we were watching more of it. Just kind of fell off with our whole yeah falling off of wrestling period. We'll, we'll get back into it. But yeah, if I, if I'd been uh, watching more of it this year, I probably would have had more Dragon Gate stuff higher up. It's oh, just... for sure. There was really already good stuff, but yeah. Now uh, back at it with another. Uh, uh, Less positive uh, category here. Uh, worst feud. What was the worst feud of the year? Match quality, storyline, whatever criteria you want. This is another one where I'm going to be kind of writing on the fly because I, I can't say I completely forgot this feud existed, but it. I forgot how much I hated it. I mean, I did just forget it existed because it's like New Japan is at the bottom of my thoughts right now, but that's going to be my number one pick, so just get excited for that. But Uh-oh. Uh, you, how many do you have? Oh, uh, let me go back. Uh, I have four. So what's your number four then? <laughs> number four. Um, actually, I totally forgot it happened until we were listening to the podcast on the way back. Well, it was Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy when they feuded for like probably half of this goddamn year, and they just ended the rivalry. I think maybe like last month. That yeah. shit was so bad, and nobody really needed any of that. I don't even know. Did it even help anyone? No. At all? No. Okay, so it was a waste of time, and that's really all you need to know. It's pretty much they made this Matt Hardy faction, and they needed something to do with them, because, I don't know. I, I don't know. Just, I completely blanked that out of my memory, too, so. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone did. So I'll go with my number three, then, and it's a late entry here, and it's a 
Nightmare Family versus America Top Team or Men of the Year or whatever you want to call it. I originally had one worst feud and then this and then my new number one got added. But then we watched Dynamite this past week and I wanted to have my memory wiped after that fucking Dan Lambert Brandy segment. Low-key came in with like the worst promo of the year candidate. I can't wait for that more in uh, 2022 if that's going to continue. I don't know. We didn't watch Rampage. So I don't know if yeah, they I continued anything with like the Ethan Cody bullshit. Hopefully not, but we'll see, I guess, because I didn't watch watch Rampage this week. But, yeah, that was, like, one of the worst segments of the year. So I'm just going to want to shout that out for worst feud of the year. Um, So my number three. Oh, gosh, I'll already say this. All of my worst feuds are pretty much coming from AEW. So just expect that. Uh, number three was MJF and Darby. Shocker, I do not like either of these guys for... Yeah, <laughs> probably different reasons, but just, I wasn't interested in this at all. You know, I'm not a big, I don't like Darby for outside reasons, and MJF just does absolutely fucking nothing for me. I think his heel shit is just lowbrow and not good, but, you know, people love him for some reason. This was just kind of, I just thought the feud was kind of boring anyway. People liked the match, but I was like, meh. Whatever. But I guess it doesn't help when you're not really interested in either guy overall. Uh, my number two pick here, we got another return of America Top Team. Them versus the Inner Circle. I just don't give a shit about MMA. I'm sorry. but mm. And uh, Dan Lambert's promos are just fucking stupid as hell the majority of the time. I don't care if it's heat, good heat, whatever you want to call it. It's just fucking boring to, to me as a viewer. If you like it, whatever. That's cool, I guess. But I just... I just don't want to see him on my fucking TV. And it's not like, oh, wow, there's good heat. I want him to lose. It's more like, I don't want to fucking sit here and listen to this shit. I'd rather do anything else with my time. And Men of the Year, I have no interest in at all. Damn. I, They've I, killed them, I think. I don't mind uh, Ethan Page as much, but Scorpio Sky is just bores the hell out of me. And Inner Circle is already really long in the tooth. But them as an act is even worse as faces to me. Mm. Like It's this, just not organic. It doesn't feel right. But just please get Santana and Ortiz away from them oh as soon God, as possible. I've been begging for this, man. Can they just stick around with Eddie, which is what they're doing right now? Can they just stay with that? Like, And then they ruined that because they had Jericho come back and save them. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> we're never getting out of this. Um, What's your number two? I had put the pretty much Dan Lambert versus whoever the hell he's yelling about at any given week. Uh, but I could probably switch that to number one. Um so I'll say Lucha Bros and FTR was a few that I just did not like at all because I thought pretty much all their matches were kind of stinky and it did nothing for me. It's killing Lucha Bros reign. Like- and that's what I say. I, I'll go ahead and spoil it. Lucha Bros didn't make my tag, like my tag team of the year or anything. And it really is just because of how bad, like this feud was dragged out again for some reason, I guess. And it ended up giving uh, FTR a triple A title tag title reign as well which is whatever i guess but honestly this feud i think really hurt lucha bros at least to me maybe to you too um some people might overlooked and thought their stuff was good but i genuinely don't think they work well at all together i just don't see the chemistry in the ring and out of the ring to be honest i hope this like seems like they're going with them versus lucha express I always say Lucha Express. I meant Jurassic <laughs> Express. But hopefully this feud with them leads to something. But I don't think it's going to because I feel like it's just a way, a conduit to, for them to set up a hangman. No, I'm saying hangman. Jungle Boy versus Christian. Yeah, that's what it the, is. That's the whole point of this title match. Them. So it's like, 
they're using Lucha Bros to feud or fill other feuds because like yeah the whole point of like FTR and Lucha Bros ended up being part of like the Alice or uh, the Cody and Andrade and like Alistair feud. Yep. So it's like they're using Lucha Bros instead of like as dominant tag champions as like filler filler for other people's feuds, and it's kind of getting exhausting right now. And I love Lucha Bros. Don't get me wrong; they are legit one of the best tag teams in the world, in my opinion. But this not their, with how they use them. This is a booking shit. It's been they their booking's been shit since they joined AEW. Honestly, <laughs> pretty much. Like they keep having great matches and stuff. It's just they've no done payoff. nothing with them. There's no payoff to any of it. It doesn't help when uh, Death Triangle first started. It kind of got fucked. It got blown up by COVID. But now that it's back and like they're just not doing anything with them at all really other than like this bullshit but i don't know but for my number one uh, worst feat of the year is kota ibushi versus will osprey <laughs> oh there it is that is the feud that basically made us quit watching wrestling or watching the new japan yeah because the fucking little domestic a- abuse angle with b Priestley, which i forgot she even was even in japan this year because uh, i was looking at like the uh, stardom fan vote for like best matches of the year and that one of them was like b and utami and i was like I completely forgot she was even in Japan this year. I thought she was been in NXT UK for like the past two years, feels like. But yeah, that match just, or that feud, just the whole start of it just made me not want to watch New Japan. And I've barely watched it since. And I hate to say that because it used to be one of my favorite promotions. Even like, if I was watching it, it's just been kind of boring feud-wise mm. anyway in New Japan, honestly. And like, match quality's still there, I guess. But just, I don't know. But just this whole thing... Um, and a few other things with New Japan that I'm not exactly happy about, but really the main thing was when Osprey won the title and the start of that being this fucking angle that just, it was just awful. And I don't want to think about it ever again. I had completely forgotten about it. Not completely forgotten about it, but I guess like it was in the back of my mind until I was listening to other people's worst like feuds of the year. And then I remembered that happened. So that's my new number one. What's your number one? Oh, yeah, I basically said it was, like, the Dan Lambert stuff. I had switched, because I had, um, I put Lucha Bros and FTR up there, but I didn't really mean to put them there. That was just the first few that came to mind, but, yeah, the Dan Lambert stuff with whoever, it could have been Inner Circle, it could have been with the Nightmare family, whoever. The shit's just awful. Uh, it's not, it's not the go-away heat you think it is, it's just the, I don't give a shit heat, and just, in general, just, it's really fucking corny, like, care what he has to say like like you said with the whole like brandy and him shit i was just like can we can we just not like i was honestly ready to just get up and turn off tv but whatever hopefully he's gone soon but i highly doubt it uh well let's get back to positivity here and talk about best shows of the year <laughs> just top to bottom most best shows of the year can you based on in-ring or just pure enjoyment uh how many how many do you have here five well we'll go through your uh, five and four then what's your number five um, five was probably Noah's, um, back to Budokan of that year. <laughs> yeah, I put that in honorable mentions, so I only to pick yeah, three, yeah, but yeah. So it's definitely, fine, like, yeah. one of the best this year. Oh, by far, yeah. We don't even have to really go far into detail about that, because, yeah. <laughs> Had great matches, the vibe was amazing, just oh seeing gosh, them back yes, in Budokan for the first time. Yeah. Production was Production was, like, amazing, but that's just Noah that's in 2021. Yeah, it's Noah just amazing production. insane, man. Um, but yeah, number four would probably be Cyber Fight Festival for me. Uh, that was my number three, so let's talk there about that. There we go, um, let's go. Uh, not much really beats a DDT Super Show, this is to be honest, at least for me. Like, and then you throw in Tokyo Joshi and Noah, too, and you just got a recipe for a good time here. Yep. 
pre-show had the debut of Kaya Torabami for Tokyo Joshi, which she's just she's amazing. She's really good, yeah. I'm glad she'll be back. Uh, had a great Gambare showcase match, too, oh, on yeah. the pre-show. And then just a lot of good matches to start, but like the back half of the show is really where you get into the meat of it. Yes. Just great stuff. Highlighted <laughs> Kongo, by like Kongo versus DT 10-man. Kaito and that was, I the love that, man. That whole feud was fucking amazing. I, if I would have thought about it, I would have put that in like, one of the best feuds. It's just Same, DUT yeah. versus Congo because Keno just brings the heat to like any feud he's in. Literally. He just has to step in the room and the heat's already there. I fucking love that, man. I still can't wait for the um, oh. Rust Kingdom or, or the Night 3 Rust Kingdom <laughs> shit with, no and, and with Congo versus LIJ. It's going to be amazing. It's a Congo and LIJ like, lover. It's, it's exactly what I asked for. But uh, Cyberfight also had Kaito and Inamura versus Takashita and Ueno, which is an amazing good. tag match. Fucking amazing match between Amiyu Yamashita and Yuka Sakazaki yep. for the Princess of Princess title. Also had Harshima versus Junakiyama for the KOD. And you had the main event of uh, Mudo's Reign of Terror, as some called it, including yes. this girl over here. That ended, and uh, Marufuji bringing the belt back to Noah, Trueborn. And then just the whole end segment of that show with uh, Akiyama with the KOD. Uh, and Marfuji with the GHC, and then me Yamashita being set up right next to them as like a top that was so wrestler cool. I love with that the Princess moment. Princess, like like just Deserves. showing off. These are the top three champions in Cyberfight, and they're all at the same level. So I, I love that moment. What's your number three? Um, like I said, I wrote this down kind of out of order, but um, I probably go with Wrestle Princess too. I could pretty much put any Tokyo Joshi show on here, to be honest, because I think Tokyo Joshi has just been that good for these past couple years. Um, there's something literally for everybody. Of course, this show had the main event of Miyu and Maki, which was absolutely incredible. Um, just overall, it was, it was a really fun show. I think I liked the first one a little bit more, but I still thought this one was, was really good as well. That match had the rematch of uh, Kamiyu and Hikari, right? I think was so it for that, the or was that um, Yukiano and Hikari, or was that oh, just that, a that, that might have been the one. Oh yeah, I don't remember for sure off the top of my head. Either way, Hikari oh no, had because a match. that had uh, Kamiyu and Oscar. Right, yeah, Benny. It's a venue, at venue yeah. debut. Oh right? my god! Oh my Honestly, god. that's worth watching the show alone for. <laughs> and we getting them again back soon. Yes. And I swear to God, if they don't freaking win the tournament in Tokyo Joshi, I'm gonna be mad. But uh, anyway, you have any more to say about that or no? Oh no. Just good show. All right, my number two pick was All Out from AEW, AEW's biggest pay-per-view yet, and the first great AEW pay-per-view they've done in the company's history, in my opinion. Mine, yeah, this was my number two also, so, yeah. Like, for the most part, AEW's been a good TV with mediocre pay-per-views, in my opinion, but this show is basically the the great from top to bottom, had Team Punk's first match in the company, and the debut of Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, after uh, a swerve... After the main event with they the debut me. of the Chugs. They got Adam Cole. me. I was like, wait, we're just getting Adam. What the fuck? Oh, and then it's like, here comes a trap remix of Valkyrie of, well, I forget what the damn song is called. The, yeah. yeah. But yeah, here comes this trap remix. And you're just like, what the hell is happening? And it was like the greatest experience of my life. Yeah, it was just a Grand Slam pay-per-view. Like, that, yeah. easily the best pay-per-view for AEW. And, and Lucha Bros and Young Bucks, hello. Yeah, fucking match of the year with them. Like, yeah. Like, I... I hate the fucking Young Bucks yes, corny fucking uh, NXT bullshit melodrama, but it actually worked for me in this match somehow. Maybe it's because they were heels doing it this time, so it actually, but it, like, they're supposed to be annoying assholes, so it worked. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Like, it was I, just great. I love that match. And the Lucha Bros entrance for that. Ooh. Oh, that match was great. Ooh, that entrance mm-hmm. was great. That that match was just that match was everything. And like you said, I don't like the Young Bucks typically either. But yeah, just good stuff all mm-hmm. around, top to bottom. And then uh, my uh, show of the year, which I think we're gonna have the same show of the year, is uh, Hanukkah's memorial show, uh, Matane. Like Hana yep. was one of the all time, like all, one of my all time favorite wrestlers, and her her passing hit us both pretty hard. Like we did a whole episode of the podcast talking about her life and importance to us when uh, she first passed away. So if you want to listen to that, go uh, check it out. But I thought the show celebrated her life beautifully, had a great atmosphere, including like English com- com- uh, commentary with Cheeseburger and Ian Riccoboni, and you could tell they were really proud of what they were doing. And obviously they were they loved Hana, so they did a great job. And it had some like the legitimately great matches on it. So, if you haven't seen it, be sure to check it out. And uh, Honda's mother, Kyoko Kimura, is still seeking justice against Fuji TV for being, playing a part in her death. So, uh, be sure to find a way to support her if you can. Yes, and definitely try. I know she said, I'm pretty sure they're going to do another one this year for her. So, whenever stuff comes out about that, um, definitely stay up to date. We'll try to keep everybody up to date on that because I definitely want to check out that show as well. Because I'm sure it'll be just as great as the first one. Just... Yeah, it's it's really hard. Like you think it like it would kind of get easier, but it doesn't really at all. Um, yeah, the show was just fantastic from top to bottom. Just a really excellent celebration of a life that's that was gone way, 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 way too soon. And the main event was fucking Kagetsu coming out of retirement to face exactly. Oscar. Like, like what the fuck was that? match was fucking oh, awesome too. So like even the, like the tag match like before it was freaking good too like the, the wrestling was legitimately fucking too, awesome like, like <laughs> and see that was the great thing it, it wasn't like just any old memorial show it was like a it was a memorial show with actual damn good wrestling so and like i think it was like after the main event that the video package like talk like celebrating your life and everything it was just really emotional too mm. it was just like oh it's all mo- an emotional it's like ride. i just love that show and obviously I hate the reason why it happened but it's just yeah. like they did amazingly celebrating hana yeah they did a great job Unfortunately, it's time to get back into some negativity here and talk about worst <laughs> show of the year. Probably won't last too long, especially for me, because I really only picked one thing. Like I said, worst yep. show of the year, same thing as best show, just what you think was the worst. I just put probably a WWE show. I couldn't I'll really think of one. Yeah. I guess if I had to pick one, it'd probably be like the NXT War Games thing that just happened, because that was fucking stupid as yeah, fuck. Yeah, NXT pay-per-views have been kind of dog shit for me, but NXT has been dog shit for me for quite some time. I think even like when we would talk about it, um, before it went to 2.0 or whatever, I think we were kind of like, oh, no, this is, this isn't it. But at least there would be, like, maybe one thing I like, but... Like, a lot of the good things about NXT, at least the past year, was, like, the tag division. Which, and that's That's because, like, Imperium, Legato, Del Fantasma. Yeah, MSK. MSK. Like, they've been doing good stuff. Even, like, Rosalie Young Vets, like them. It's just, and now yeah. you got... Now oh, it's just I don't all the youngins, so... No, I don't want to say it because I like both of them, but I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Jacket Time. Yeah. Oh my god. We're like the two Ikemen fans on the planet, I think. And this shit isn't even funny. Like, it's not funny. Just let him be himself. What do you mean? He's a relatable hero who eats a lot of food and then takes big shits. That's like the most relatable character I can think of. Uh-huh. It wants Kushi to do it. He's just there. I don't know. But, I mean, <laughs> he's doing oh. Marty McFly gimmick as he always been doing. Oh but God. Anyway, um, do you have anything else to say about our show? If we move um, along here, if I had to actually pick a specific show, it probably would be SummerSlam, I guess. 
the whole Becky thing just like turned me the fuck off. Like as soon as that happened, I was just I was like, oh no, this this show is actual dog shit. This company is actual dog shit. I just I I don't think there was any redeeming good matches either. To be honest with you, um, it was another Roman and Brock match. Like woo, Seth and Edge went way too long. Yay! And then I think what was it Alexa and like. Eva or some bullshit like that which was obviously just bad because they're both terrible but i still can't believe they brought eva back but they brought her back and then just released her like (laughs) right after this match like basically right after this match oh yeah it was like a couple months after oh yeah she just did the kind of feud with dewdrop or whatever on like yeah whatever right after that and then it was over that might have been on tv actually it was on tv they didn't yeah they never put that on pay-per-view from what i remember so yeah Anyway, let's move on to something positive again. Uh, tag team of the year. Just, it was the best tag team. 2021. Trios are eligible. Yay! Units! We're going units! <laughs> yeah, I think next year we're going to have a best unit category, but we didn't really do it this year. Because I was going through tag team of the year, and I was like, I couldn't really think of a whole lot, to be honest. Honestly. For the best unit, that's easy to pick. But it's just like, for uh, tag team of the year, I had to think a little bit about that. But uh, go. how many do you have? Uh, I have five, but, like, one is a unit, though. Okay, let's go with your number five, then. Uh, I put an extreme. I think they're eligible, like, great as a tag team anyway, like, just Yuma and, um, Kento, like, they've been one of the highlights this, of yeah, that, I guess that's who I should say, yeah, when I say next stream, I technically mean Kento and Yuma. Haido and Asuki are also, you know, they're great together as well, but obviously the highlight here is Yuma and Kento, and... Yuma being honestly really the standout of mm-hmm. the group, in Yuma's my been opinion. He has been incredible. Like, we already knew he, how good of a wrestler he was, but I think this year his personality has really taken off. And he's, like, <laughs> like you kind of said, he's kind of sucking the personality away from Kento. He, he's the funniest one now, mm-hmm. my, in my opinion. Well, it's like, um, I think it was last year is when he, like, turned heel or whatever and, like, turned on Kento and they did yeah, the title match that, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I just, just didn't work. Yeah. But now that they paired him back up with Kento, I think he's just become a. Not can't say better wrestler, but better performer. I guess that's the way to yeah, put it. Yeah, I guess like overall, yeah. Like his in ring's always been fucking yeah. amazing. It's yeah. just like I think as he's more well rounded. I guess now as a, as a performer. Yeah. Uh, what's your number four? Um, I picked Neo Bishiki Goon of Tokyo Joshi before you know May Saint Michelle disappeared again. I would have picked like put them at least in my honorable mentions, but I don't know why I just didn't even think about them. It's yeah, honestly, there's yeah, <laughs> tag team stuff is not my forte typically either. So, so yeah, but I think they had a pretty good run with the titles. Um, Macy Michelle was was a really good get. I didn't expect I didn't expect Saki Sama to find somebody of that caliber, who is a kind of a little gremlin, but you know, but. Yeah, I think they're just a lot of fun. Anybody that works with Saki Sama, um, it's just really good. I I love Neo Bishikagoon in any form of it. Uh, my number three pick is Empire Reigns End or ERE from Freedoms, and this specifically it's uh, Takayuki Ueki and Toshiyuki Suguda. I would have picked them as a unit if I could, but since I can't, going with them too, since they make the most sense as they've held tag gold this year. Like, ERE have been a huge shot in the arm to an already great Freedoms promotion. Them feuding with all of the Freedoms guys was so awesome to take in, and they were always having banger matches, regardless of whether it was just those two or if it was, like, them as a faction. Like, 
it's hard to not do when you have like the best deathmatch wrestlers in the company around the world in one faction, let alone in like the same company. But uh, yeah, just I love those two together. Um, yeah, like I said, my number three was technically a unit. I was putting Congo, but if I actually have to pick a tag team, I'll probably just put the aggression in here, even though I know it's kind of short-lived, but <laughs> I mean, the tag stuff that they had together was really fucking good. Like, like I said, Nakajima had an incredible year singles tag team-wise, and Kitamiya, I think, really came to his own uh, during this aggression run. Yes, yeah, I put them in my honorable mentions. I couldn't really do because they barely that team this year, I to be know, honest. But still, but it was so good. Them versus Sugiura Gun was, was, the, fucking was fucking amazing. One of the best tag team matches of the year. Absolutely. And even their match with Funky Express before they imploded was really good. really good. So it's like they had great matches this year together. So I think they're worth mentioning. And I think it's just, yeah, since they were kind of so short lived, a lot of people won't have aggression in their top. Which makes sense, but I think the, like I said, with the short time that they were back together was incredible stuff. Uh, my number two pick was Dangerous Tuckers, Tai Chi, and Zack Sabre Jr. I want to pick them, but I can't because I haven't watched, like, any New Japan. Yeah. The, I te- love their stuff that I see, though. Yeah, Tuckers are fucking amazing. Like, they've been good since they formed. They, they were, were livening up the tag division before it became good again, or good for once. I don't know how you want to say it, but... They're like the highlight of the tag division for New Japan when it's finally getting a little bit good. And I haven't watched much of New Japan this year, but their feud with LJ, as I mentioned when I was talking about feuds a little bit, was really like the highlight of what I did see. Just great matches each time. And everyone I know that actually does still watch New Japan regularly says, says they've had a great still, year. Yeah. So it's like, I'll, I'll take, take their word yeah. for it. Anyone who says anything that's like good about New Japan, I'll typically take their word for it. Because, yeah, not a whole lot of people I see watch New Japan. <laughs> And they won the Shoe Pro uh, Tag Team of the Year, so finally Tai Chi getting his roses here a little bit. Exactly. Oh, remember when everyone thought Tai Chi sucked? How wrong. How wrong. But, uh, did you say your number two? No, my number two. Honestly, this is kind of a throw-in, but, like, I like them as a tag team, and I think they're going to have a pretty good year, is Runaway Suplex. Can't complain about that. I was going to say, I was going to say, are you going to complain about me picking Ashino here? Um, Yeah, it's kind of a tag team, I guess we all kind of saw coming, but um, I still think it's, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know how to explain my choice, I guess. I mean, they've had great matches together all year. And it's like, I've said it multiple times on the podcast in the past. It's like, Suwama and Ashino have great chemistry together, both as a team and as opponent so it's like it was really exciting to see them actually team up and you know and it was really nice to see Ashino win the damn title we saw were we watching this match live the title match live yes because we (laughs) we woke up and it was just happened to just be on and I I couldn't believe it actually happened to be honest we were sitting there and I'm pretty sure we like quietly screamed if that makes any sense but yeah that was just that was an incredible that was a really good match as well um but yeah nice to have Ashino have a uh stable tag team for well we'll see how long that lasts but yeah i think they've they've done really well for the short time that they've been together but i definitely think 2022 is going to be a good year for a runaway suplex hopefully and it's just nice to see violence giants finally break up like i love them oh as God, tag team too but I it's know. like it, it got long in the two so it's nice to see swamo with someone new and for my number one tag team of the year it is sonic amina specifically it's gonna be konosuke takashida and shima Katsumata. Same. <laughs> I picked them as a unit, as I said, 
but I'm going to go with them as just like ERE, they actually held titles this year, so I'm going to go with them. But even if the even the combo of like Takashita and Mao had a kick-ass match with the Robson earlier this year, and they aren't my favorite unit in DDT, but I would say they are one. They were the, like be- the one of the best. They, they were the best in 2021. Yeah, they all held titles except for Mao. They had incredible <laughs> matches. Takashita had one of like one hell of a run this year, winning like basically every tournament in the fucking company. And him and Shunma as tag champs was like some of the best stuff DDT this year, even if it was short lived. So. Easy uh, number one pick for me. What's your number one? That was pretty much my number one as well. Um, anything we saw from them, especially, like you said, Takashita and Shuma was just really good stuff. Uh, I hope Mao does have a better year. I would like to see him with a title, at least win something, I guess. Oeno um, was just, Oeno had a really hot first half of the year. I feel like he kind of cooled down the second half, but mm-hmm. anything that he was still in was still good, so... Can't really call that a loss by any means. Shuma's had a fantastic year. Um, I'm glad that he finally, you know, is seemingly one of the, I don't want to say top stars, but he's definitely up there with them. And obviously, Takashita is just, Takashita is Takashita. He's one of the best in the world, and I'm glad that he's getting more of his flowers now, I guess. And honestly, them together is just, it's just a really fun time. They're just really, they're really all good together. Uh, honorable mentions already mentioned the aggression also want to mention bulk orchestra just fucking amazing unit talked about them enough already i think but definitely like one of the highlights of great and then uh death triangle mm. so as I mentioned we could list trios i didn't want to pick them because they didn't like there's no trios titles in AEW, and a lot of their stuff was mostly with like the lucha bros winning the tag titles and stuff like that yeah but they also had great matches with like pack joining in like each like whichever lucha bro he defined Decided to tag in with that week. Yeah, they would be fun. Like, they had great matches together. Like, I think it was, like, the Double or Nothing, like, ba- like Tag Team Battle Royale was fucking insane with Pac and, like, I think it was Fenix together. And, like, just them as a unit, it's, like, they're easily the best unit in um, AEW to me, other than Team oh, Taz. Sure. Pretty much those two. Yeah. <laughs> but just, they've had a great year. It just didn't do enough to, like, get into, like, a top three spot for me. And let's get into uh, another keep positive here with most outstanding wrestler here. Who was the best strictly in-ring wrestler? Like no other factors can be considered. Just who had the best matches this year? Going to start at the bottom, work our way up as usual. How many you got this time? Um, I have five. Let's go with number five then. I actually picked, um, it's kind of out of left field, I guess, but I don't know. I actually picked Trisha Dora for five. Okay, I can respect that. <laughs> um... She's been kind of on the come up for American Indies here, at least from what I've seen past this past year, I guess. Um, anything I've seen, I've really enjoyed from her. I think she's truly probably the best American women's worker right now. I'll go out on the limb. I know, I know the indie scene is a little, it's a little dry, to be honest, in my opinion, when it comes to women. But she's someone I think that really stands out, and I. Hope she has a big 2022. I mean, she got to work on Dark, but this match was so short. I guess it didn't really matter. I wish they gave her a Riho a longer match, but it is what it is. You know how it is in AEW with women, so. Yeah, I meant to bring this up during uh, worst, like our biggest disappointment, but the fall of ROH and like its end, basically ending, is a real sad thing to see, obviously, because it's a historic like story promotion and all that but it also just gives people like less people a place to work and i was really excited when trish signed to roh because oh that was so sad it's like roh like i 
didn't watch it all the time. I wasn't like a huge ROH fan, but it's still like a good place to give people work and just give more people an opportunity. And I was really excited for Trish's opportunity to like yeah. showcase herself a little bit in like a bigger stage than just being on the American Indies. So it's really sad to see that. And but hopefully, like she was saying, our, uh, Trish finds somewhere else to end up and does a little more because I was really excited for her and got a little Wrestle One connection there, being part of the Wrestle oh, One yeah. Alliance. So I got to mention that go. as being the Wrestle One dude. But yeah, I was really excited for her uh, year when she. She even got like the, part like PWI bullshit like mm-hmm. in like just the she's general pretty, yeah, like the top five hundred or whatever. She's pretty high, so she's I was like, because yeah. she's the um, Pan African yeah. champion yep. right now. So yeah, she's working a lot of beyond that I've seen. That yeah, is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'll say never mind. I forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah, I I really enjoy her too. So mm-hmm. good pick. What's your number four? Oh, uh, let me see. Hold on. Uh, number four, I went with Takuya Nomura. Ripped to his title reign, unfortunately. Uh, but he had a damn great title reign. That is for sure. Oh, my gosh. Plus the astronaut stuff this year. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, you can always add in the astronaut shit because they're always, yeah, they're always phenomenal. I mean, what else do I have to say? Like, you're pretty much always going to hear somebody compliment Nomura. So. <laughs> Problem is not a lot of people watch Big Japan these days. But... And that's because Big Japan is so hard to fucking access. So. <laughs> unfortunately but yeah yeah he's a fucking amazing wrestler he does, and he has like one of my favorite matches of the year with him and sakimoto so yeah for my uh my number three i picked uh brian danielson i actually wrote it right this time i enjoyed his matches in dodo earlier this year for the most part like but he really kicked it up but to another whole nother level wrestling week in and week out for aw since showing up there he had two musty time limit draws with both kenny and hangman page and if he keeps up this level of work, which you can't bet, pretty much bet he will, I think he's going to be a front runner for most outstanding next year, too. Mm. Like, he's kicking it off with another big match with Pangman, so I'm really excited for that. And, yeah, Brian just continues to show just he's one of the best wrestlers to ever do it. So, easy number three pick for me. I would say I would say him for uh, number three for me as well. I had it listed on my list with him at the top, but that was just the first name that came to my mind. Um, but like you said, he's just been a madman ever since he exited WWE and came to AEW. I mean, dude looks like he just, he's on a tear right now. And this year will probably be no different. And like you said, he will probably end up on um, the outstanding wrestlers list again. Unless, you know, some other wrestlers have some kind of insane kind of year. But he, he's definitely a really big bright point, I think, for AEW right now. Yeah, it's just like people discredited his WWE stuff this year too. But I was just like, he had the that WrestleMania match, match was actually pretty good. Yeah, I like that match a lot. And it's like, yeah, it was a pretty triple, good match. Like, I, I kind of hate triple threats to be honest, but yeah. it's like they that was really fucking good. And I think he had like some other matches. I think he had another match with Roman like singles. I think I can't Probably, remember much about it. I but, don't remember. But either way, like even just that triple threat at WrestleMania, like this dude fucking main event at triple Ma- or WrestleMania, and then goes WrestleMania. Yes, I wish he'd go to triple Mania. Him fucking like. <laughs> Versus, like, I want to see him versus Kano or some shit. Like, that'd be fucking awesome. Or Psycho Clown. But, anyway. <laughs> My number two pick for most outstanding wrestler is Takashi Sugiura from mm, Noah. Yeah, same. Speaking of being one of the greatest wrestlers to ever do it, this man <laughs> is right up here on that list. Isn't it crazy to think this man started wrestling in, like, his 30s? I know, right? Like. And this man, uh, he carried multiple titles this year and yes. had great matches throughout all those reigns. He, ke- he became the first two-time national champion defeating Kazuyuki Fujita in a great match. Followed that up with a defense against Sakuraba on the Misawa Memorial Show, which was also very good there. 
followed that up with a double title match against Masato Tanaka, where he won the Zero One title in a legit match of the year contender, and finally dropped it in a kick-ass match with Mojizuki later in the year. He also entered the year as GHC Tag Champs with Sakuraba, and lost the titles in one of my favorite tag matches of the year against the yep. aggression. <laughs> so, yeah, just I cannot stop singing the praise of Sugiura. He's just one of the best in the world. Yeah, if you didn't hear, he is also my pick. Um, you pretty much gave him all the praise in the world that I could have said, but, I mean, who else just sits and watches Sugi and thinks he's not good? Like, this man, like, he just makes everybody look good. He He's incredible. I don't... I don't really truly know how he does it. And like I said before, the fact that he's only started wrestling while he was in his 30s is still insane to me. He's like 50 and he's still cranking out matches like that. I say that is, you know, Tanaka's also 50 and cranking out the same kind of matches with him. But yeah, Sugi is just, Sugi is probably someone that will always make this list, you know, as long as there's no serious, uh, anything serious that happens. But yeah, I think he's just, He's truly just one of the best that you'll ever watch. And he's a menace with that, four, that corner camera oh, that we'll have sometimes, God. man. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Let's, that, but, oh, no. But, uh, and his dog's is cute. Oh, yeah. So love, cute. I love that he can his dog's name is Kenta, man. I love it. But um, anyway, number one pick. I think this is obvious. Kazuhika Nakajima, to the surprise <laughs> of no one who knows me. Or me. He is my most outstanding tw- wrestler of 2021. Oh my gosh. Do I've we just, have to sing his praises more? Like, I've okay. enjoyed all of his big matches this year. Start of the year, I was mostly in tags with the aggression. Mm. Earlier mentioned, uh, title went against Sugiura Gun. The title defense against Funky Express. Big Congo versus DDT match at uh, Cyberfest. Fun. And then he went on for more singles focus from there on out, and it just got even better. The cage match against Kitamiya rocked. He was the MVP of the NOAA N1 tournament including a match of the year contender in the finals against Kano, and two GHC title matches, both the win against Marufuji and the rematch with Kano were just great stuff. And just for what I enjoy from wrestling, there's n- there was no one that better this year than him. I think bar none, even like looking past as just a big fan of his, he's purely one of the best in the world right now. And I don't even think it's really even close. I truly think he's like one of the best. Um, dude's been doing this for so long. Like, you would think he's older than what he is because he's been wrestling for like 20 years, but no, he's, he's just in his 30s. It's crazy to me that he's in his early 30s. He has so, so much left to give, but it feels like he's already given so much back to wrestling, you know? So, just all of the matches, especially these big matches, they always deliver. He always comes through. Um, I just... I, I hope he really gets a nice long title reign here. I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I just love the guy. I can't, I, you know, I just, yeah, he, he's just my favorite. <laughs> she says it's as she's wearing a Katsuki Nakajima <laughs> t-shirt that I bought her for Christmas. I had to wear it in honor of this, so. But uh, that's our most outstanding honorable mentions for me. Uh, Fuminori Abe. He's like, yes, he was also for How do you not well. mention him? He's, yeah. again, one of the best in the world. He's wrestling everywhere in Japan, small indies, big indies, big promotions. Just, yep. He's all over the fucking place, and he's awesome every time you see him. Oscar, uh, a.k.a. Veni, yes. whichever way you want to yeah. call her. She was great. Her matches in Seedling have been awesome. She was even, like, the Seedling champ earlier this year. Yeah, they are awesome. Like, she's been awesome. KZ, as we mentioned earlier, he was, like, one of my highlights of the year, beginning 
first half of the year, it just kind of fell off after he got injured and lost King of Gate and all that kind of – or not King of Gate, lost the Dream Gate title match, all that. Hadn't done a whole lot the, the back half of the year, so I couldn't really justify him putting him higher up. Shun Skywalker had an amazing Dream Gate reign, despite multiple step backs. Yeah. Not his fault, really, but he's been he having a great year. He made up for it with the KZ, the KZ stuff, I think. Uh, Takeyuki Oeki, I put him in my uh, tag team of the year, but he's also had incredible s- single stuff, which one of the things we'll mention la- I'll mention later, at least. And uh, also, honorable mention is Miyu Yamashita. We've, yeah, she could absolutely make the list. She's had fucking stellar matches, tag team, singles, as champ, as non-champ. She's just been doing it all, and she's great as always. Uh, let's get some negativity here, which <laughs> she might be saying more than me, because I didn't really come up with anything. But worst wrestler of the year, pretty self-explanatory. I couldn't really come up with anything, because I, I, I probably could bitch about some people, but I just decided not to. Do you have anyone you want to complain about? I'm pretty sure I complained about him the other year, but I'll break him up again. Um, MJF is probably, like, my least liked person. Um, he just doesn't bring anything to the table for me. Like I said, I think his any of his heel stuff is just extremely lowbrow and just is not funny at all. He's not edgy. It's not cool. Uh, I actually also put Moose. Uh... <laughs> That's for a multitude of reasons as well. I just don't think he's a very good wrestler. He's not a very good person. Um, yeah, I and I'm still extremely. Oh, I guess I'll talk about that in one of the other categories. But yeah, I'll wait to talk more shit. Um, I put Matt Hardy for something too. I just, <laughs> I think the dude is just washed and kind of should just stop. Yeah, I just don't need to see him on my TV <laughs> you know? anymore. Like, I, I don't have anything against him. It's just, I just don't yeah, need to see him. Yeah, I don't have him. anything against him. I'm just like, I really don't need him as much on TV as I see him, you know? I think he's kind of holding back wrestlers, like, private, private party. party. Which I think them as heels has been a, a good improvement for them. Yeah. But it's just, a, I don't need them with Matt Hardy. Like, they can be heels by themselves. But it is what it is. But that's if that's, let's get back to some positivity here. Talk about best promotion. Easy, what well, was best promotion? Can include business, booking, or just simply which promotion you enjoyed the most this year. Uh, how many you got here? I have four. So what's your number four, then? Oh, uh, great. I put that in my honorable mentions, but... Oh, wow. Look at if, me. If I was doing, like, a top four, top five, I probably would have put them in there, but... Okay, yeah. Like I said, I was just going off the fly. I pretty much caught up, like, the whole year, late, like, a, like a week or two before Christmas, like, the week of Christmas, and it's just... I've been talking a hell of a ton about Volker Struthers. It's amazing. <laughs> but the other stuff's been great, too. The, the Ledette UWF's Literally. been awesome. I wish they had more of that, but it is what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, me- I meant to mention it with the um, show of the year, which when I was talking about honorable mentions, but I don't think I even mentioned that. But great version zero or version one was fucking awesome. Like, great. I think they're, uh, they're we- not weekly shows, but like they're, um, their shows throughout the year have been very good. But they're big shows like their combined Ledette or uwf big shows are just amazing we haven't watched like the version two yet because that just uh, happened yeah. but version one the one had like tanaka or a show or had show versus uh takanori ito as the main event that was fucking a great show the, the uwf matches were awesome it's just great it's great that's pretty much what it comes down mm. to i guess yep uh my number three pick was uh aw Kind of regret that now after uh, Mr. Tony Khan had decided to open his mouth, but... That's why I had five, but then I took it off, because I was like, no, never mind. But I'll go ahead and talk about it. Like, 
definitely there are promotions I enjoyed more than AEW. Honestly, I enjoyed great more than AEW. And like, so same for like Tokyo Joshi. Like, spoiler alert, they're not on my list either. But there are other promotions that I've definitely enjoyed more than spoiler AEW. Spoiler alert, they're in mine. <laughs> but uh, I have many complaints about this promotion. I won't get into all of them here, but I'll explain why I chose it to be my number three. First of all, I just enjoyed more than I it more than I hated this year, which has pretty much been the case for most of AEW's existence. There, like, there were always both things I really liked and things I thought were awful. But this year, kind of had higher hits, that, like had higher highs than before, including like CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's like most importantly, AEW kept me into wrestling after like we cut the podcast, like because I felt burnt out. And I wasn't really like as into it anymore, but with like the return of fans, AEW finally like began hitting like in full stride for me and just knocking out of the park. The stories were working for me for the most part, and you had like big debuts like Punk and Brian and Hangman finally worked his way up toward the title and finally won it. And like I said, I got complaints about AEW, but AEW is still like the hottest promotion of the year, and I it kept my own fire for the hobby burning. So I'll give them the third just for that. That makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Um, for me, number three, I put Freedoms. Um, I think Freedoms is just basically the cream of the crop when it comes to deathmatch wrestling and just, honestly, like I said, you get deathmatch wrestling, but the wrestling itself is honestly really fucking good. Like, hell, look, we're getting fucking Rina Yamashita versus Jun Kasai for the title. Like, how can you tell me that that's not good shit? Um, Freedoms is just a lot of fun. I, you know, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it, but just seeing a lot of stuff that happens, like, just always gets me excited. I love I love freedoms a lot. Um, that's my number two. It's freedoms. Yay! Segway. Like I said, deathmatch fan here. This is like the promotion you go to when you want to watch the best deathmatch there is to offer. The matches were great this year, as always. The feuds were great with Ere running rough shot over the promotion, winning all the titles, and ending uh, Toru Sugira's record breaking reign. Legitimately, my only complaint I could even like think about their year is that Ere's reign of terror ended. It was by Jun Kasai who defeated Jack mm. this, at Blood Christmas. But like, it's Jun Kasai. Like, how am I going to complain about him winning a title? Like, yeah. he's fucking amazing. And he, like she just mentioned, her, her, his first offense could be Rina Yamashita. So what's there really to complain about? I'm just nitpicking, <laughs> honestly. I just would have liked to see Jack put over a fresh face. Oh, yeah, for but sure. But we still got that anyway with ERE dropping the tag belts to uh, Sagira and Harada. Ah. So we got my young boy Harada finally getting a belt and so getting cool. pushed. So... He got the win over the invader, so there's at least that. What's your uh, number one? Or your number two, I should say. My number two is actually Tokyo Joshi. Um, I think Tokyo Joshi is probably, like, the most accessible. Uh, no, I don't want to say accessible, but, like, the easiest show to just, or promotion, just to sit down and watch. And, honestly, the time will fly by because you're having so much fun. Like Their shows are just fun. That's really, like, what it yeah. amounts to is, like, that's one of the promotions where you can just sit down even if you're not like, oh, I'm getting out my notebook, gonna write all my star ratings, all that kind here. of shit. Like, you're you're not gonna get that from Tokyo Joshi, even though there are great matches in there, legitimately great matches. I would honestly think their in-ring products actually improved quite drastically over oh, the sure. years. But I think when you're coming for Tokyo Joshi, you're, you're coming here for the fun. You're coming for a fun time, yeah. great feuds. Like they have, they're they're some of the best fe- telling feuds, honestly. Mm-hmm. Whether they're serious feuds or silly feuds, it's just like, <laughs> I think when you come to Tokyo Joshi, it's just. You're just looking for a great time, yeah. and that's what you get. I love the personalities of all the wrestlers. I think they're all just they're all just wonderful. There's someone there for everybody. Like honestly, you'll probably just fall in love with the whole roster because they're just all that that fucking great, in my opinion. Like a lot of people probably came for Maki Ito, but 
of love might have stayed for like Miyu or Hikari or you know Hyper Misao whoever Neobishikigun there's just there's a lot there to really love and I think Tokyo Joshi like their fan base ramping up is is something that's really it's really good for them I'm glad that they had they've had all the success that they've had yeah I think they're like the most like debate in the Tokyo Joshi community is which up up girl is the best and exactly it's Hikari, and it's so. Hikari yeah but yeah, I know but, Raku's God, but still. Yeah, Tokyo Joshi would have been my like number three if I'd replaced AEW, or probably would have been number four, number five, whatever. If I was doing a higher list, but mm. like they've been amazing this year. Even if we haven't fought, watched everything, it's still like one of the best promotions yeah. and one of my favorites to follow. <laughs> and, and I think we're gonna agree on this one. Number one is Noah <laughs> Pro Wrestling. Like this promotion has had everything I wanted from a promotion this year. Great matches, great feuds, great champions, mostly. Uh, not to mention the English outreach has increased tenfold. Mm. Their English commentary team is just excellent. The production values of Noah ever since they joined Cyber Fight have been incredible. But it had Go's amazing title reign to begin the year, ended by the GOAT, that is KG Mudo, winning the belt. And you can have your own opinions on that reign. I know she does. But at least his match with Masakita Mia was very good. I think most people would agree on that. But... He wouldn't put over a young guy, so instead he put over Marfuji, who did his best as a transitional champion to get the belt on Nakajima. Because I think I still think the original plan was for Nakajima to beat Go for the title in November last year, or yeah. 2020, or 2019, whatever the fucking year it was. Whenever that was supposed to happen. But obviously it didn't happen because <laughs> uh, no, Mudo happened. But after Nakajima's stellar year, as I talked about earlier, he made a great champ. The GHC tag division was tumultuous, to say the least, but uh, had some great matches the whole time, even though uh, not a whole lot of defenses there for Mr. Kaito and Itamura later, or Kaito Kitami, I should say. Yeah. But uh, junior, vi- junior division, I didn't love the booking, but the division has great talent, and so still had some good-ass matches despite the booking. Plus, the national division has been fucking awesome, with the end of Keno's reign to start the year. A short Fujita reign, and then Sugira killing it until he finally dropped a Mojizuki. I used to say DDT was my top promotion for my enjoyment of wrestling, but I think Noah's kind of quickly taken over here. Noah, I think, is by far, like, taken over for me. It's just, you know, not everything is going to be, you know, super great. It's going to be on your notebook, you know, five-star, five-star, five-star. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. I love the guys that work there. I just... It's it's something that I always look forward to watching, no matter what. I just, like you said, there's so many great feuds that go on. The champions are, for the most part, really great. Um, you really can't ask for more from Noah. They've, like you said, they've done a great job with their outreach to the English speaking community. Like that's probably like the best I've ever seen a like a especially a Puro uh, promotion start this year. Like it's just been it's been a lot of fun. I just yeah. I'm I'm glad Noah is actually, you know, doing very well. As you know, they weren't before. It's looking a little rough, but I'm glad that they've turned around and they're able to do all this really cool shit and, you know, run Budokan. Yeah, it's just, I think Noah's bar none best promotion right now. And I've got two honorable mentions, and honestly, it could have been higher on my list, but it's really just the fact that I didn't watch them as much as I would have liked to this year. Uh, Seed Ring. I really, they were on my, my top list for the first half of the year because I was really following them a lot more closely, but then I just kind of fell off, unfortunately. But they've been great from what I've heard all year, and I do want to wish the best to Nanai Takahashi. Hope she takes 
glad she's taking this time to help with her uh, mental health and mm-hmm. hopefully get better. And then also uh, honorable mention is Dragon Gate. I honestly probably would have put them like in my top five, top three, top five, whatever. If I had actually just oh, yeah. followed it more For closely, sure. but they definitely deserve a nod though. But yeah, they've been fucking awesome this year, doing the best with their young talent. Yes, pushing a lot of young guys like Kota Monora, SDK, you want to see young talent, you go to JFK. Got everybody going here. Oh, the JFK. <laughs> but uh, back to some negativity here with worst promotion. This will be just whatever criteria fits here. I only have two here, but I actually probably would pick a third. And do you have any of you got? Um, I have five, but honestly, I can. We pretty much agree with the same three, thing. Yeah. But it's like my number three. I didn't think about it, but now we were talking about it. It's like impact. Impact, yeah. If I had to definitely squeeze this down, it's impact. Like they had so much hype going on, hype, I guess. But like they had a lot more positive, like more buzz going on once Kenny was the champion and all that shit. Whether you liked his reign or not or whatever, mm-hmm. at least they had some buzz going. As soon as he was he lost the title, it's well one they didn't even have an impact guy drop the title, win the title off Kenny. They had fucking Christian win the title, which it's a cool moment. And everything I'm not against that. It's just I don't think it does anything for Impact's roster at all. It did nothing for their roster. But then once they have Christian, he comes helps out Impact, all that kind of shit. Like then he drops the title to Josh Alexander, like the best built guy they had on the roster. Like they built him up to win the title <laughs> in amazingly like great way actually. And then he just immediately drops it to Moose and a fucking cash in. And it's just like, what was the point of any of this? Like, there was no. you popped right in there with Kenny for a little bit and then it just went to shit immediately afterwards. There's women on that roster I like, but their women's roster is like really overrated, especially Deanna yeah. Peraza's title reign. I don't think she's an so, awful wrestler or anything. I think she's a boring wrestler. It's just, I don't understand the, all the hype for her, honestly. Like, I, I think either. her title reign is kind of mid, mm-hmm. but. And then. I don't know, their X Division, like, people hype that up too, but it's just like, been all fucking, like, four-way multi-person <laughs> matches. It's like, they're finally oh, kind of doing singles matches now again, but it's against fucking, like, it's tra- fucking like, Trey defending against yeah, fucking What's-His-Face. Steve face. Macklin on this upcoming pay-per-view. I'm like, okay. It's like, they're finally getting back to singles matches again, but it's just, like, bad people. And it's them. really funny how, like, Trey stayed while his two friends went to NXT. It's just, I don't know, it, that always kind of cracks me up. And I'm like, Trey's not even doing anything, really. Like, yeah, he's the X Division champion, but... I still okay. think he's probably going to win the Impact title eventually, but it's just like, that's, if I was him, like, I don't know what the point of re-signing with Impact was unless he were yeah, pretty much guaranteed the title, say, like, that's the title what I'm win. Like, but I don't know. Either way, it's just like, their booking has been fucking Their booking has always all. been, like, wishy-washy, but, like, it just got so bad after a while. Like, the whole Josh Alexander thing just... That, that's what really turned me off. I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Josh was the absolute highlight of Impact. And yeah, and then they just do that to him. Do you have number three or is it basically the same thing? It's basically okay. the same thing, yes. <laughs> All right, well, my number two was MLW. And oh. I don't have a strong opinion on it. It's really just, this was like the one live wrestling show we went to this year. It was an ML, MLW show. And I enjoyed my time at the show for the most part. But they made me watch the TJP and Bobby Fish match. And in both of those matches they were in, they beat actually good wrestlers in, like, in Lee Moriarty and Alex Shelley. So I just wanted to complain about that. That's really like my strongest take about it is just they made me watch Alex Shelley and Moriarty lose so against bad, bad wrestlers. So I that just pissed me off. But Had TJP cheat to beat Shelley and then just Bobby being Moriarty clean. I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's, I see where this is going and it, they win the direction I thought they would. So... Um, I wouldn't put that at number two. Like, honestly, if I had to give anything, it'd definitely be an honorable mention. I think they're MLW's and a 
extremely weird state right now, but yeah. I'm just curious what they're going to do with this all Japan partnership they seem to have Nothing. Now. If anything, probably pretty Nothing. scary. Nothing. Like but. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick a number two, probably NXT 2.0. If we can, do we count that? I'd count it. I mean, it's a subdivision, it's fine, but yeah. it's still promotion, whatever. It's still terrible. What, do you want me to say New Japan instead? Because I absolutely could say New Japan instead, but no. Um, I'll stick with NXT 2.0. I just think, like, it is actually something I've seen a couple of episodes of. Just because I was curious to see how the reboot was going to go. Oh, God, I regret watching any of it. Any of the takeovers. They're just so bad. I know this is leaning more towards developmental... Again, I guess, but... Well, it's like, if this was, like, on the network, it wouldn't be a big of a problem, but they're putting this on fucking TV. This shit is on TV! I'm like, how do you watch this and think, oh my god, this shit's good? And I feel like, bad for people like Braun Breaker and, like, Carmelo. I'm just like, this is all shit. And EO, I should say. But, yeah. Well, it's like they don't got the Largo loop going on, so this is, like, where these people are getting the reps now, which yeah, is stupid. Yeah, which is stupid. Like, I or know- 205 Live for, like, three minutes, and I'm like, oh, okay. And it's like, yeah, obviously I don't want people to be doing live wrestling events and shit as much anymore but because of COVID. But it's like, a lot of these people need the fucking Largo Leap loop bad. Yeah. They should not be on TV. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, my number one pick was WWE. And yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, I don't have any strong feelings about this, really. Like, I think most of the main roster papers have been fine, mostly. And we don't watch TV, so, I don't know. When we do, we fucking hate it, as you mentioned earlier, when we were I mean, had to watch it. But... I- I don't even put WWE in it, not even for, like, booking shit alone, but just business shit alone, to be honest with you. Like, just these shitty practices of, oh, okay, lol, here's, like, 20 people getting cut because of budget cuts, even though we just told you we made record profits. Like, are you sure about that? Uh... Yeah. But yeah, WWE sucks. I mean, there you go. And next we have the last, almost last category here. One of the more important categories, Wrestler of the Year. Basically, uh, who was the total package for wrestling this year? A mix of in-ring, star power, MVP quality, any kind of shit you want to consider that make them like the most well-rounded Wrestler of the Year. Uh, how many you got here? Uh, five? Wait, uh, wait, Wrestler of the Year? Wrestler of the Year, yeah. Never mind, three. Alright, so we'll start with my number three then. My number three pick is Konosuke Takashita. Shut up, we have the same people. Oh my god, <laughs> in the same order. Uh, well, that'll make it easy then. But yeah, you think of DDT, you think of Konosuke Takashita. I just don't know how anyone is ever going to surpass him in DDT, honestly. People have different opinions of his wrestling, but I think he's been pretty hard to deny his importance to the company. Mm. That's just... He's such a big hurdle for the other guys in the company to climb. You saw it clearly in the DO finals just a few weeks ago against Yuki Ueno. Personally, I think his current run is going to be his defining run, this title reign. Like whoever beats him for the KOD this time is going to be a made guy. He's been on great matches, had an awesome tag run with Chunma, a great title match against her, or a tag title match against, with, against Eruption with Mao. And uh, Sonic Club has been like one of the best parts of the 2021 DT this year, which hasn't been super exciting to me, honestly, but that's a different thing. But he's won, like, basically every fucking tournament in this company this year. And just, I, it's hard to really deny Takashita for me is my number three pick. I was going to say, he pretty much said it all. It's extremely hard to deny that Takashita has had an incredible year. 
Um, and honestly, you could tell that everything that was built up before then was leading to Takashita finally getting the KOD title back, and especially from Junakiyama. So, I mean, you can't deny him. He's he's just truly, he's truly one of the best in the world, and is definitely someone that is of utmost importance in DDT by far. Number two pick is uh, Miyu Yamashita, and. Just like Takashita, you think of Tokyo Joshi, you think of her. She is the ace of Tokyo Joshi. Just one of the greatest women's wrestlers currently doing it today. Still her matches throughout the year, both in tags and mm-hmm. singles. Yet another title reign with a great with great feuds, including uh, another feud with Makita, which we already talked about earlier. As well as some great tag matches of the team together. And like I said, she's been set up as just as equal as the other Cyberfight which champions. Is very cool. So She's just the best. That's what I'm, what can I say? Legit, I mean, it's Miyu Yamashita. You see that name, you clearly know what is about to go down. So, <laughs> truly one of the best in the world. There's really not much else to say at this point. I mean, we pretty much sang her praises this entire show. So, there you go. That's pretty much why she's our number two. And number one. And the most obvious fucking number one in the entire world. Katsuhiko Nakajima. <laughs> uh, it was pretty heavily based on his in-ring, as I did vote for him for most outstanding, but his rise to the top, once again, has been like a simmering story for the past few years, and it's finally solidified with him winning the GHC title again, where fans are finally ready for him this time on like his first reign. Yes. Go and Mudo and the Muto Cyber fight did the leg work to bring Noah back into prominence, but now it's Nakajima's turn to take it to newer heights and hopefully put over Kaito eventually. <laughs> So Kaito can finally become the ace he's meant Poor to be. Kaito. But for now, uh, Nakajima is Noah. So, and Noah is fucking just right. one of the best wrestling or one of the best promotions you can <laughs> find these days. Best time for your money. And if you can't tell, we're fucking huge cyber fight nerds because <laughs> all of our all of our picks are fucking cyber fight cyber champions. Fight, oh my god, but, they really are. Jeez. Yeah, it's just like I, cyber fight is just yeah, like. Cyber fight is just amazing, honestly yeah. amazing. I mean, you literally have this umbrella of amazing wrestling. Noah, DDT, Tokyo Joshi, Gambare, just really good stuff. And oh yeah, I was going to say, check out Gambare as well. Especially in like their Joshi shit too. So, Ganjo. Um, but yeah, going back to Nakajima, I mean, you can't deny his greatness. Anytime someone watches him, I always see... Him getting praised on my timeline, so uh, that makes me a very happy girl. And um, yeah, I just, I just think he's destined for another fantastic 2022. And yeah, I'm super excited to see how this shit goes down. And I'm super, I'm super excited. I'm keeping my eye on him in Congo. You know, I'm always sus about him after the whole access breakup. I'm, I'm watching him. Oh, Nakajima, or not Nakajima. Kenna already talking about it. he still wants the GHC, so it's mm-hmm. it's not over yet. All right. But uh, honorable mentions, uh, Shin Skywalker, just yep. his title reign, while it had a lot of problems with it, not his fault, but his matches didn't end up going the right way. He still had great matches, and I couldn't put him really higher than that just because, one, I just didn't watch as much Dragon Age as I would have liked. But still, and plus his title matches that did go the wrong way not his fault but it still does hurt his reign sadly unfortunately yeah also uh siri and utami ashita both for different reasons siri just had great matches throughout and then her big title win is a big deal for the promotion utami Hashishita, 
basically was the champ during Stardom's biggest year of in history. Yeah. So, and she's had great matches throughout her reign. Yeah, you can't deny. You so, can't deny that that she was truly like the ace there for yeah. And then also, uh, we'll be remiss to talk about my boy KG Mudo. I got to put him for just for business shit, and it's just I just want to make people mad. But no, I I think it's just really cool he won. <laughs> I'm putting him as my one of my honorable mentions for wrestler of the year. And lastly, also uh, Mr. Kenneth Omega. I'll just give him for business more than anything else. I did enjoy some of his title matches, as I mentioned, like his Phoenix matches. Honestly, I enjoyed all of the majority of his title matches. Just I don't think anything was great, and I think that's what really hurts him for me for voting for him for wrestler of the year, just because. While I think his reign was pretty good, it's just his matches didn't really live up to it, but he is still champ during, like, two of the biggest pay-per-views in the company's history, yeah, so, so I'll give him that. But uh, that's the wrestler of the year. I forgot we had one more negative categories, and it was so uh, did I. worst and match I of the like, year. Oh, shit. And it's pretty much, like I said, what match did you hate the most this year, and my oh, match... we picked different ones. I only picked one. I forgot this match happened. Yeah, my number... And I'm mad that you unlocked this. <laughs> but yeah, my pick for worst match of the year was Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasma <laughs> Russell Kingdom this year. And my hatred of this match has been simmering since it happened. Good lord, he hates this match. The God. booking of the junior title at Russell Kingdom was fucking stupid to begin with. The whole winner of the Super J Cup challenging and then doing the basic, basically making like New Japan's here he goes. Oh, New no. Japan's booking of the double title or not double <laughs> double dome shit has been fucking dog shit ever since they decided to do it. And then they decided, hey, let's make the junior title just as obnoxious as the heavyweight title. And it resulted in this match, which is fucking stupid. ELP, like, leaned into, like, his worst tendencies in this match. And it was just awful shit, and I just don't want to see it. Supposedly, ELP's done good in Best Super Juniors. I didn't watch it, so I don't have an opinion no. on that. But just this match was, like, the worst ELP match I've ever fucking seen. And it, it pissed me off that he dragged Hiromu down to his level in this match. So, yeah, that's my worst match of the year. What's yours? Totally forgot that match happened, but anyways, uh, that's probably for a reason. Um, I actually put Sheeta versus Abaddon. Yeah, no <laughs> I, I had to look it up because I was like, did this match actually happen this fucking year? And I was like, oh yeah, it did. It was just, it was just bad. Like, I'm okay with outlandish, you know, gimmicks and things like that. The match itself was just really, really bad. It just was not. The wrestling was not good. Um. Just overall, I had a really bad time watching it. I think it was, it wasn't like long, but it wasn't super short either. And that's kind of what made it even worse. I was like, oh God, just, just end this, please. And that was during like, there are no people's. Yes. Still, yeah. Right? This was still in Daly's place. This one was in Daly's place. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Like, I remember I, now that you mentioned it, I completely forgot that match just happened too. See? And then I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that was fucking dog shit. And like, it might have worked a little bit better in front of fans potentially, but yeah, it did not work for me either. So, like, well, yeah, you know, it might have been better in front of fans just because there would have been like some, you know, some emotion maybe there, but it just was not good. Well, it's like they had a, another title, not a title match, but another match with Abaddon versus Britt Breaker. And it's probably basically the same thing. Just the time it had fans, and I didn't see people bitch about that one as much as mm. the. I think because there were weapons and stuff. Yeah, there were weapons and stuff so, too, yeah. so that helped a lot. But yeah, but finally, let's finish up with the last category here: match of the year. Pretty self-explanatory. What was the best match? Use whatever factors you want to determine that. I actually do have five for this cat this time, so oh, we can actually too. go through it. So. Uh, my number five pick was Fuminori Abe versus Sada Tanaka from July 2nd in 01. Mm. It was uh, part of Fire Festival. 
everyone was raving about this match on Twitter. So I decided to give it a shot because I hadn't really followed Zero One too closely this year, unfortunately. But this match was fucking amazing. As I mentioned during the most outstanding honorable mention stuff, Funori Abe, you just can't bet against this dude. He's fucking one of the best wrestlers alive. Saw Tanaka's right up there with him. He had a fuck. He's he doesn't make tape as much as a lot of other wrestlers do, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Whenever he makes tape, it's usually like in DDT or Noah. Well, DDT when he was champ and Noah. But when Zero One does make tape, and I see his matches, like fucking Masato Tanaka, he's one of the best to ever do it too. And yeah. This was just an amazing match. I think you have another Masato Tanaka match higher up than I do. Cause I think we we even talked about it off like off uh, Mike a while ago. It was like we were talking between this match and then another certain match. I know pretty sure it's on your list. Which one was better? I think this was better than that one, but I'll let you talk about it when we get to it. What was your number five? Um, number five, I actually put uh, Nomura and Sekimoto. Up there for me, too. It was actually kind of hard because I was like, I could pretty much name like my top four, but then five, it kind of got a little convoluted because I had some a lot of others where I was like, it's right on the fence. But I think this one just like edged it out just because it was so, it was just physically brutal it was such a good match i mean and it was really just nice to see nomura you know actually retain because it just it makes you a little nervous because you don't know how he was gonna go with his reign even though it's still too short and but whatever yeah i that's that was one of my picks i don't have a whole lot of notes on like the matches and stuff because yeah i didn't write anything down watching them yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these matches happened like after we cut the podcast. So it's like not yeah, how like in depth things were. But uh, my number four pick was uh, KZ versus Shun Skywalker for the Dreamgate Dragon Gate, July thirty first from Kobe World. And I think we talked enough about this already, but it's really just like very emotional match. It's very like really heartbreaking end. I think the match is fucking amazing, regardless of how it ended. Anyway, it's just like they had a match together. I think it might have been another Kobe World like, a year before or something like that. It was, like, right before Shun left for an excursion. Mm. Where it was, like, earlier on the card, it was, like, 15 minutes or whatever. But it was fucking amazing. Like, I, it was close to being up there on my match of the year list anyway, just for being, like, a 15-minute match with no stakes involved. But this one was all the stakes involved for the main title. KZ time potentially happening. It didn't happen. It's just definitely one of the matches that uh, emotionally connected to me the most this year. What was your number four? Number four, I actually went uh, Lucha Bros and Young Bucks from All Out. That I, match, know, I know that yeah, hurt you to put that. That in actually four. physically fucking pained me to put a Young Bucks match in any top whatever. But I mean, you really couldn't deny the match. Like the crowd was so into it. The like you said, you know, we're not really into their typical melodrama, but I think it really worked out here and. Uh, Lucha Bros worked extremely well with them. Just the in-ring action was really good. It got brutal, you know, really close to the end. The whole fucking Matt having, like, thumbtacks on his expensive-ass shoes. Like, that popped me. I love it so much. It was so stupid, but it was so great at the same time. And just, just incredible. And we were back in my parents watching it, and my mom was in there, and she was, like, she was into it, too. I was like, oh, God, okay, so this match is actually, like, top-tier shit. <laughs> What I, what I really love about that match, too, is, like, they're doing all this wild shit in the match, and then fucking Fenix just wins the match with a fucking, like, crossbody. That was amazing. Like, you thought he was gonna, like, flip off and, like, like win that way. No. It's this crossbody, and it's done. I mean, it was off the top of the cage, oh, so... But still. but still. it's, like, that was, like, the least, like, 
crazy match, like move of the match, and like that's how it ended. Yeah. Which it didn't hurt anything. It's just funny to me that that's how it ended. Oh, let's see. My number three pick here is uh, Toru Sugiura versus Takeyuki Ueki from uh, March 23rd for Freedoms. Just mentioned it earlier with ERE, and it's like, Ueki has been like a revelation to me since he joined Freedoms. Like, I heard of him a little bit, like when he was in Big Japan and stuff. I watched some of his matches. I enjoyed some of his matches in Big Japan, but it's just like, ever since he got free of there and working Freedoms, it's like, he's a whole nother beast of a fucking wrestler. Like, especially in this match, like, I think. This is when the, we were still in the pod, so I mentioned it when we were talking about, or we, we talked about it on the pod for an episode, but it's just the violence in this match, like the fucking disgusting headbutts, it's it's very hard to watch, so it's not for the fan of her heart to watch, but I can't think of a more like violent and disgusting match than this one, so if you're a Freedom, or if you're a Deathmatch fan, I highly recommend this match. What's your number three? Um, I don't know if this one will surprise you or not, but number three, I actually went uh, Nakajima in Marafuji. That's kind of surprising to me. See? <laughs> I, I, I actually like the match. Well, I, I, I love the match, too. It's just like, I, I'm kind of surprised it's like so high on for you. I mean, again, I didn't watch, watch that much, much but... wrestling, yeah, so I was just basically going through my list of what numbers I put next to them, and I was like, oh, okay. But no... I think this one also holds a special part in my heart from this past year just because, like, you know, Nakajima did win the title here. Um, but I did think it was probably the better that Marafuji looked over, you know, time. I, I don't want to start any kind of stuff, but Marafuji wasn't really, like, my favorite no wrestler for a while just because I thought he was just he was just doing okay in 2021. But um, he really turned it up here, so... I couldn't really complain too much. Yeah, I think if you uh, listen to the podcast back in 2020, we talked a lot of shit on Marfuji. I'm sorry, I'm matches, sorry. And I, like, I don't hate him by any means. I just didn't think, like, I just thought there were better wrestlers. Yeah. I remember his twenty his, his N1 in 2020 uh, wasn't the best, though, even though fucking Sugira match was fucking amazing. So. Yeah. He's still good. Like, I know, Marfuji, like, <laughs> I, he's, a, he's a really good wrestler still. It's just certain times he's not as good. I'll just say that. Like, his match... Like, one of the matches of his that I, like, still pisses me off is, oh, is his Here match with Look Endo and his match in, in, with Endo and DDT. Like, well, I think that was 2019, I think. Like, he just completely phoned that in. It was fucking awful. I felt so bad for Endo. But it's just like, Mar- like Marfuji's on. He's on. He's like one of the best still. Oh, by far. So yeah. it's like, I don't want to be too mean to him. And like I said, like that Nakajima match, he was fucking awesome in it. He was he was a really great champion for Noah this year. So I got to give the man respect for that. That was number three. So number two for me is uh, Shuri versus Tommy Hashida from June 12th for Stardom. As mentioned, I haven't watched a whole lot of Stardom this year, but this I uh, definitely made time to watch, and it was just as good as everyone was raving about. I, I love the storytelling of the match, especially because like with it ending in the 30-minute draw, and then it gave Utami a high, like they restarted it, but it gave Utami enough time to uh, I guess recover after Shuri pretty much dominated the match. And she was able to pull it out in the end, and then was able to springboard that into continuing the feud, and then restarting it or uh, doing the actual blow off match just a few days ago, since the time of recording, where Siri was actually able to defeat Tommy, and but I think it was like no, I don't know, it was no time limit or like sixty minute time limit or something like that. But yeah, either way, like it basically, Utami had no excuses. She had to beat Siri clean with all, like all the time in the world. She didn't have the, excuse, the ability to recover after the. Uh, 
little in-between time before they decided to restart the match. But yeah, that match is just fucking stellar. So if you haven't watched that, definitely check it out. What's your number two? Uh, my number two is someone that he's already, well, yeah, he's already talked about. Um, and it was Sugi in Tanaka. I forget when it actually happened, but I think it was the one for the double titles. Yeah, it was the double yeah. title match. I think it was I like October, put the, yeah, September. It was like out. October, November, something like that. I don't remember for sure. I should have put the dates, but I just didn't think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, literally two of still the two best going today. Always sing the praises of Sugi. Uh, pretty much always sing the praises of Tanaka as well. I usually always enjoy his work. Um, he's just been in, he's just been on a crazy run since he really got back into the swing of things. Um, if you want some physical action, this is definitely the match for you. I don't remember how long it is, but I don't even think that bothered me because I think it's over 30, but it's, oh, it's like, it was like 35, Something like that. Yeah. but it it's still well worth the time. It's not, you know, like a, it's not a 60 minute draw or anything, but, <laughs> uh, still a whole lot of fun from two guys and from, and then I was still surprised that Mr. Sugi uh, still has the zero one title, but that's a different that's a different story. We'll talk a little bit about that next week, I yeah. guess. But uh, number one, it's gonna be Katsuhiko Nakajima versus <laughs> Keno from October third, the Noah N one finals. Just same. This is, this is what I want in wrestling. It's just this is this if, is actually the Nakajima wrestling podcast. Sorry, Keno was phenomenal in this too. Like oh yeah, like. They would just beat the shit out of each other, and like that's all I want. Like, no, like I think we mentioned it when we were talking like on the podcast like forever ago. It's like Noah is the promotion that's best suited towards no people wrestling or not no people, no people and clap crowds is because their thing is they just beat the shit out of each other, and it sounds fucking awesome with like just reverberating throughout the building and stuff. And it's like New Japan and other promotions haven't adapted as well because they're building towards like cloud crowd spots where they're expecting the crowd to cheer and all that kind of stuff, but they kind of can't because yeah. rules. But Noah, it's just, this is a fight. We're going to beat the shit out of each other whether you make noise or not. And just, I don't know, like, a lot of people preferred the 60-minute uh, draw between these two later in the year, or like, like a month after this. Yeah. And I, I like, can't say that, I, that it was my favorite. Well, I, I definitely preferred their in-one match by far. Obviously, because it's our number yeah, one match of the year for both of us. But it's just like, I enjoyed that match, too. It's just, I don't think it was quite as good as this one. Like, mm. but. There was just the intensity in this one was just, like, on a whole nother level. And plus, I'm, I'm just kind of over draws, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. As soon as they did that, I was like, ooh, let's not, let's not make this a yearly thing, please. Because I, I just can't do it. Like, the, the draws, like, the matches themselves have been really good, you know. Go and Keno was really good. And then this Go and one Keno was... was way better than this one, I'm, oh, I'm I know. being honest. I know. I did like that one more, but still. But anyway, this match is just great. Very high importance. It had, like, the drama of, like, what will happen regardless of who wins. Like, what is going to happen with Congo? Unfortunately, nothing really did happen. But, it was like, when you were watching it, though, you had that drama as, like, Whoever wins this, something's going to happen and hasn't happened yet, but I still think that's simmering. It's like, brewing. Like, I think that's going to be like the main thing for 2022 for yeah. Noah is like the simmering of Congo breaking up or something happening with them because we're not, it's not done with Keno and Nagajima, clearly. It's so it's like, He still wants next? that title, so he has to go through his own stable mate to get it, so something's going to happen. But, Maybe. Yeah, this match was, like I said, at the jump, it's like, 
this is what I want from wrestling. This is what I, this Noah gives that to me. And yep. this match is the perfect example <laughs> of it. Like, give me, just give me more of this. Thanks. Yes. But, yes, please. Uh, I think that's it for the podcast this week. We went way longer than I thought oh we were going God, to. So, yeah, I'm kind of glad we didn't eat, end up eating out. Cause, um, yeah, this, that would have not been fun. Yeah, but it was really fun talking to all y'all again. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our next episode, we'll be talking about all the big shows that happened for yes. New Year's. All like as many as we talk, as we watch. <laughs> Depends on how much we'll talk about each one. Depending on like if we liked them or not. Mm. I already watched some. She watched some. Won't talk about it too much now, but th- there's a lot to watch, and hopefully we'll get to as much of it as we can. We're, we're not promising anything, but there's Zero One, Noah, All Japan, New Japan, Tokyo Joshi, Stardom, Big Japan. There's just everything happening this week. Literally. So. As far as like the future of the podcast, uh, before now, before this, there was a weekly podcast. I'm not going to promise it's going to be a weekly podcast yeah. from now on. Probably more when we, yeah. It's going to be when there's something we want to talk about. That's pretty much what it's going to come down to. It's like next week just happens to be something we want to talk about. So it's going to be a weekly at least for these first two weeks. But depends on what there's shit we want to talk about. Like yeah. I'm not going to, I don't want to force this. Like that's think what's killed us when we were first doing the podcast. Like what made us get burned out is like. Felt like an obligation that we had to do it, and we had to watch wrestling. Yeah, we had to pick and choose shows that, and all like that maybe didn't have quite as interesting of matches as we, you know, really wanted to care to talk about. So, but we have a lot this yeah, week. So. Yeah, but after that, we'll see. It's like just comes down to whether we want to record, and I don't know. I got the itch right now. I want to. I want to keep talking. Mm, me too. Hope I mean, you. we've already talked for like two, almost two and a half hours. So, but yeah, yeah. but if you want to. Stay along with us. Uh, give the pod a follow. Resubscribe to the podcast. Or like, give us a follow if you haven't. Resubscribe if you're returning. Or just subscribe if you're new, I guess. But uh, it's on like every podcast catcher. You'll find us. And uh, I hope you'll stick around with 2022 as we uh, sporadically release episodes, I guess. We'll see. Maybe we'll just decide to do weekly again. It depends on just, yeah, we'll see. It really depends on uh, <laughs> what there is to watch and what there is to talk about. And if we're still feeling it. But... That is it for this week. We'll see you next week. As I said, we're going to talk about all the Itanyon shows this year. Oh, yeah. But uh, you can uh, follow the pod at One Wrestling Pod. You can follow Caitlin at Ticking Time Bomb with a zero instead of a no. <laughs> and you can follow me at ASPIR underscore. That is it. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.